This is Phone Booth Fighting, your twice-weekly mixed martial arts podcast destination, featuring that guy. Who are you? Frank Marin. And this guy. <clears throat> who am I? Richard Hunter. And together, we do this podcast uh, from Stately Mirror Manor here in suburban Las Vegas. You can get the podcast in iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, or wherever podcasts are available, uh, including phoneboothfighting.com, our official website. All previously aired and archived episodes are available right there for your enjoyment. All right, Frank. Uh, we'll get to a whole bunch of other stuff momentarily, but we're kicking this thing off tonight with big Frank Mir fight news announcement. Take it away. What's up? What's happening? Yeah, actually, I'll be uh, part of the uh, eight-man tournament that's been announced by Bellator. I got the word just uh, last night or the night before. I got the phone call to say, hey, you know, we're, <laughs> we need a headshot. We're putting you in this. And, uh, and so I'm... <clears throat> Obviously agreed. Uh, they told me the names that were in there, and it looks like I'd probably be lining up with Fedor, hopefully in uh, April. That is unbelievable. Congratulations. Yeah. And, you know, and I'd congratulate you on any fight, but the fact that you're finally getting Fedor. Yeah, that's a huge moment. And it's actually, I didn't even sleep that night thinking about it, running it through my mind, watching videos, already starting to try to, you know, pick it apart his different, you know, uh, traits and, and game plans and today i went to the gym with angelo i was you know he's telling me what he sees i'm telling what i see mm -hmm. you know really you know it's actually been helpful doing commentating this whole time for the acb because it really has me sharp as far as analyzing people's tendencies and, and strategies but then i even told the wife i'm like you know what if i take off for eight to ten weeks and i go to chechnya or something you know grozny go to do a training camp and really just you know, take this as serious as I've ever taken any fight of my life. Yeah, just like Rocky Four. Yeah, just go up to the mountain. Grow the beard. Yeah. The uh, well, the KGB. My pathetic excuse. Yeah. For beard. <laughs> the KGB is following you in the snow. That's right. You're uh, carrying the log through the uh, forest. I do a log carry. I don't know about running through the snow that fast. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, because and and we should explain if you haven't already heard the news uh, today. Bellator has uh, a, a vacant heavyweight title. We've known that for some time. Uh, they signed Frank a couple months back. We talked about that here on Phone Booth Fighting. And all signs were pointing toward, um, you know, some type of, of tournament or uh, process of eliminator fights for that title because they were signing not only you but some other top-tier uh, heavyweight competition like Matt Mitrione. He's, he's a Nelson. recent signing. Roy Nelson is another recent signing. And so it made a lot of sense. And today the tournament was officially announced. Now here's the interesting thing. Uh, it's an eight-man tournament. There are four natural heavyweights in it. Yourself, Roy Big Country Nelson, Matt Mitrione, and Fedor Emelianenko. And then there's four other guys who are moving up in weight. Mm -hmm. They're all big <clears throat> names. This thing has massive star power to it. But uh, the other four are going to be uh, light heavyweights in the Bellator organization moving up to heavyweight for the fight. We're talking about their light heavyweight champion, Ryan Bader, right. King Mo Lawal, Rampage Jackson, who just signed a new multi-fight deal with Bellator, and friend of the Phone Booth Fighting Podcast, the American gangster Chael Sonnen. Yep. That just made this very interesting. So uh, that's, I mean, I guess what they're going to do, and, and your match with Fedor is, is the only one I've, I've gotten any intel on through you, so I don't know about the other matchups. I 
tell me if, if I'm wrong, but I would assume that maybe what they would do is have like a heavyweight bracket and a light heavyweight bracket to start. You think, or you think they'll mix and match? I don't know. It's all just speculation on yeah. our part <clears throat> at this point, but yeah, I really don't know how they're going to uh, position that off. That actually probably makes the most sense so that we can get guys a little bit closer in weight together and a little bit more of an up. Op- right. I, I really don't know. Um, and so that way, you don't have a clean sweep of all the light heavyweights. And 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 really, honestly, I mean, the light heavyweights that are in this, you know, Quentin Jackson walks around at two hundred forty pounds. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a lot of them might even be bigger than Fedor by the time the night comes around and fight. Because you know, Fedor fights around two twenty five, two thirty. Yeah. So uh, he's not a, a huge heavyweight. Never has been. In fact, he made two hundred five one time to fight uh, Dan Henderson and strikers. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's right. So I wonder if uh, I, I think it was very smart that they went ahead and made the fight with you and Fedor first. Because, you know, some would say, well, why do you have to, you know, burn that one right away? But then you're... Best opportunity that we're going to fight each other. Exactly. Because otherwise, you're going to have to count on uh, both guys winning and advancing in the brackets and all that kind of stuff. And it seems like, with all due respect to the other fighters uh, in, in the tournament, there's nobody else in there who, you know... Can has a resume like yours in the heavyweight division where you can just look down at it and go, okay, you fought every one of the greats except. Right. And there was always that one exception, that one big omission of Fedor Emelianenko because he never fought inside the UFC. This is going to be the first time, uh, well, other than what your pro debut, that you've ever fought outside yeah. of the UFC. So it's <clears throat> just never been possible before. No, it always... Uh there's always so many times I heard, you know, uh, oh, you know, it's going to happen. Fedor, they're going to sign Fedor. He's asking for this. They're going to go ahead and give it to him. But uh, I guess the deal breaker always, from what I remember, and, and I could be wrong, uh, back when he first ended up going to strike force <clears throat> and not coming over to the UFC, when the rumors were strong that the UFC was going to acquire him, mm-hmm. was that uh, his company, his management team that he works with, you know, and probably his too i'm sure he has a great you know uh control over uh wanted co-promoting type of you know yeah. rights to it and that's just the ufc at the time you know was never gonna concede that not you know times have changed now it looks like they're gonna have to with you know connor but but at the time you know they didn't see the up you know didn't really see the draw or the uh necessity of of, of relinquishing that and so that's why it never was a <clears throat> Never became uh, true until now, and so it'd be interesting to see us now finally be able to face off. And you're right. Uh, at first, that was my first thought too. Honestly, I was like, "Oh, we're going to fight each other!" Wow, right off the bat, the two of us, you know, possibly lined up together. Um, you know, why wouldn't you spread us out? Maybe you know, it'd be interesting to walk through the bracket. But I'm like, well. Fight's a fight, man. You know, now you have to worry about both guys having to come through, not just one guy succeeding. Mm-hmm. So you're right. The most bang for your buck that guarantees that we're going to actually face off is the you know, opening round. So this fight is going to be, uh, without a firm date set, the idea is sometime in April. Yep. Okay. And, of course, uh, your your mm-hmm. uh, agreement with the release of the UFC really didn't allow you to fight until that point anyway. Right. So it's not like it could be done any sooner. But you will be able, uh, I would assume, to go ahead and start, well, we're promoting the fight now. We're announcing the news, breaking the news here on Phone Booth Fighting. But I assume you'll be able to go ahead and start promoting this on behalf of Bellator. Yeah. In fact, actually, on uh, Monday I'll be flying out there for uh, – 
uh, PR stuff. So okay. hopefully Tuesday, um, I think they even said in the thing that Jennifer was reading me today, or a mm-hmm. PR meeting, or mm-hmm. so we'll find out. <clears throat> okay, very cool. So that's happening. That'll be in April. Now, another question is, could this possibly be on pay-per-view? Yeah, that's actually something that's been brought up a lot today. And, and I didn't know. You know, uh, everybody's like, oh, you know, this is such a big fight that have to put it on pay-per-view. And I'm like... Well, I mean, uh, they had Chael and Tito on, on free television, as far as I remember, right? Right, but they had Chael and Vanderlei on pay-per-view. Well, that one go. recently happened. And that also had Fedor and Matt Mitrione on it. I think it was more uh, I think it was more the fact that Bellator had, you know, they've only tried pay-per-view a couple of times. And I think it was this, this more recent time when they did it with, with Chael and Vanderlei. Uh, you know, I don't even remember the actual... Uh, final numbers that that thing did but i knew at that point they were going to experiment periodically with doing pay-per-view not monthlies like ufc does or anything like that but that they were going to experiment with periodically doing it it seems like with this they could do it uh i I think you and fedor could could carry a main event on a pay-per-view uh i think some of the other matchups could i think certainly the finals could you know, once you get yeah. this whole thing pared down, a lot of people, you know, were were uh, feeling a little nostalgic about Pride today because you know Bellator is calling it their Grand Prix, and a lot of people were remembering the old Pride yeah. Grand Prix tournament where they had light heavyweights stepping in there. That's true, they did, they sure did. So, uh, well, I, I'm I'm so excited that this is is like I said on on multiple levels. I'm just I'm happy you you get to fight again. But it seems like uh, it's it's just uh, exponentially better that we're going to finally see uh, you match up with Fedor for your uh, for your Bellator debut. Yeah, right off the bat, hit the ground running, huh? <laughs> yeah, that is super exciting. I know they're going to have, uh, you know, we should go out and do. Uh, I'm just going to produce on the air here for a minute, but we should go out and do a live podcast in LA in January when they have, they're going to have a fight card out there. I think January 20th, something like that. Okay. Somewhere right around there. We had to go out and do a live show. I'm sure they're going to want you to do promotion and stuff anyway. And, yeah. Uh, oh, we got to get Chael back on the show to talk yeah. about this. He'll probably go ahead and start talking about when he and you fight. Yeah. You know, he'll, he'll just jump. Ahead <laughs> Hopefully it's to, in the finals. Yeah. Yeah. He'll just jump ahead to, to, to whatever else is, uh, is going on. Well, that, that'd be, you know, that'd be fun too, because you guys were supposed to do ACB and yeah. then the, the scheduling didn't, uh, didn't match up because you had, uh, uh, ACB. I, I, I'm sorry. Yeah. I said ACB, uh, Abu Dhabi. And then there was scheduling conflicts with, you were working, uh, commentary on ACB and all that. So it would be cool to, uh, would be really cool to see. Well, I'm excited for this. I, Thanks, I think, man. uh, yeah, excited for you and excited for the promotion. You know, Bellator, Bellator is doing a lot of right things right yeah. now, I think, <laughs> you know, and a little bit of luck, their favor. <laughs> luck. There is, no, 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 I mean, I'll just make it uh, preluding to later on the show. We're talking about Connor, but oh yeah, yeah, we're got to get into that here uh, in a minute. In fact, uh, we've got it pulled up on the the big screen. We're gonna we're gonna play what happened with Connor McGregor. I, I do like it. Bellator does early. feel like the old pride. Yeah, and how they're just you know instead of really worrying about who matches up with who and. Is just putting in fights that people are interested in watching, and yeah, and I, and I think that's what Pride always had going for it was it was always interesting matchups. Mm. You know, <clears throat> here's what I think: in in incrementally they did right. I mean, they they started out with some you know really world class talent, but just for whatever reasons, uh, names that not everybody knew. You know, guys like Michael Chandler uh, that they were growing. 
uh, that are still there uh, that are awesome fighters. And then, you know, they added some past their prime fighters that, you know, people kind of snickered at it a little bit. But those guys brought ratings, you know, Ken Shamrock and Hoist Gracie and stuff. And now they've split the difference and they've hit the sweet spot with guys who are not past their prime. They're 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 uh, marquee free agents that finally came available. But it, it took a while. I mean, I don't think Bellator could have lured a Rory McDonald, a Matt Mitrione, a Frank Mir. I don't think Bellator could have lured some of those names four years ago. The promotion wasn't really ready yet, you no. know? And it, and I think a big part of it has to do with Scott Coker being involved, too. Yeah. You know, because he, he got over there, he took that job, and he's taken his time really setting the stage. So, you know, probably what you're going to get uh, on a night like the one you're going to fight on is you're going to get this marquee matchup uh, between a couple of legends. You're probably going to see some some um, of, of their homegrown talent like Michael Chandler, you know, the the Pitbull brothers, some of those guys. Yeah, they're always good at layering it. Yeah, yeah. And so there will be something for everybody because because, you know, let's face it, I mean the 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 brass ring uh to measure your competition against is is still the UFC, which is the the, the biggest show. But what made the UFC so successful over the years, <clears throat> in my opinion, was always being more about the show than the individual fight. They were always so smart that they to put on a, a you know quality matches across the card so that even though you may have come for one marquee match you walked away going boy that 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 and that were highlights of the night and I think Bellators really position themselves now to be able to do that kind of thing no I agree with you and, and uh, I really like so far I mean dealing with Bellator guys everybody's it reminds me of when I first got in the UFC as mm-hmm. far as how it's not uh, so corporate you know not mm-hmm. that they don't have that entity to them as far as you know once you go higher up in the uh, in the uh, organization <clears throat> as far as you know dealing with you know uh, Biacom or whatever okay but as far as the Bellator guys from Scott to you know uh, to uh, Mike and uh, the other guys that work there everybody's just phone call basis easy going mm-hmm. you know everything's like hey can we get this done we understand it's you know even as far as when I got asked the question the, the, the opening statement was I realize this is really last minute but we need this and this can you help us out yeah, no problem. You know, just that kind of uh, consideration, even in conversation, is just, it feels, you know, uh, it's fresh and it's nice again. That's awesome. Yeah. So excited. I'm excited and I don't have to fight. So it's like a win-win. See, I, I'm excited and you do the work. Well, it's you, not you, work if you like it. Yeah, well, you, you can entertain me. <laughs> I'll just sit in the background and go, woo, go, go, harder. Keep your hands. <laughs> I was watching... <laughs> I ought to do that to you. I ought to get close enough to your corner that I can yell the the real basic instructions of the the casual fan. I was watching a fight where just a clip somebody shot with their phone today, but I could hear it in the background. Somebody going, hands up, hands up, you know, knee. Yeah. <laughs> All the basic instructions. Which is still sometimes more, a little bit better than some that I've heard. Well, that's true. that's true. My goal is to yell that stuff loud enough that it gets picked up on the mic. All right. We can always mic you if you want. You know, that would be fun. Where's the mic? Yeah. Hey, you know what we should do? We should invent. So now is the time. 
we should invent some sort of real bizarre narrative about how you've gone new age and you know like how connor had the movement coach and all that you've brought in like a spirituality coach or something <laughs> like that you know i can get an outfit together like a like a uh, a, Dalai Lama type yeah thing. like a shroud I wear and stuff <laughs> like that remember when Fedor used to have that weird guy that walked out with him yeah he was some kind of priest or something yeah, but his orthodox yeah whatever but he, he just looked to us he looked like an old hippie yeah yeah, yeah I could be that guy <laughs> maybe Fedor could bring that guy back and yeah. then that guy and I could face off no but you'd have to be like I bring you in you have to you know carry like a the god delusion with you or something yeah yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> yeah that's right that's right yeah that would that would that's how we'd get in their head you know i would get them to see if i can get them to start questioning the basis of their own faith yeah all right you know the story about him and his crucifix and gambling right uh no so i'm sitting there we're all having conversations i'm like oh you know fedor i thought i heard him say that he's not supposed to gamble like well he'll gamble or he'll play cards okay before his fight. So sometimes you see him in the back and he's playing cards to help, you know, relax and stay yeah. calm. I'm like, oh, I, I, I'm sorry. I thought I heard something about it. He goes, yeah, yeah, no, it is. That's why he takes his crucifix off. Oh, that's what you do? I'm like, what? Oh, oh yeah, okay. he, he takes the crucifix off. So that way, you know, he can play out of sight. I'm like, that's all it took for God not to see him? <laughs> I think I've heard another version of this, but it's where somebody goes, no, no, that's why I take my wedding ring off. See, that's why I just take it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's I'm sure you hear that version yeah, a lot yeah. <laughs> at the brothel. <laughs> All right. Well, stay tuned to Phone Booth Fighting. Uh, we're that's why keep... Mrs. Mirror had me tattoo my <laughs> on. God damn it. Uh, yeah, no. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm tattooed. <laughs> well, hopefully Mrs. Emelianenko isn't listening to Phone Booth Fighting or he's going to show up with a crucifix tattooed right, yeah, on right. His, right on his sternum. All right. Well, stay tuned to Phone Booth Fighting because uh, as uh, details develop, we'll break it all here and we'll tell you what's happening, uh, give you the actual fight date and different things that Frank location. will be doing around the fight location will be important. Exactly. Everybody keeps asking, like, so where's it at? Exactly. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. Man. Yeah. You'll hear it here first on uh, Phone Booth Fighting. All right, Frank, before we get into uh, all the rest of our content, and we have a lot to get into, fight stuff and otherwise, uh, let's talk about what's actually going to be a very important component of uh, this training camp for you. Freshly.com. They are uh, the online meal prep service that is feeding us, you and myself and our families, here on Phone Booth Fighting, Freshly.com. What do they do over there? Well, they hand prepare uh, all natural ingredients, uh, combine them to make a quality meal that ships right to your door at a very affordable cost. It's healthy eating without having to cook, without all the mess, and uh, always fresh, never frozen. So, you know, Frank, I think uh, uh, knowing how busy you guys are, because even though uh, you got your next fight, that's not going to slow the kids down from all the activities and the running around and all that kind of stuff. I know all that's still going to be going on. It's probably going to be nice to have a couple of uh, 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 quality meals at your door on a daily basis. Absolutely. It always makes it easier. I mean, even today, right now, Jennifer cooked a home-cooked meal. And uh, it took about two or three hours of her time away from her. That, <clears throat> and she got a little bit behind because we were doing things with the kids earlier. And, and that's just one of the uh, you know it's realities of uh, modern living. So if you can cut something out and still not sacrifice quality and health, uh, prep time is a huge one. So you, know, you take those two or three hours of prepping food and now you just have it towards two or three minutes, throw something in the microwave and you have a high quality, healthy meal. It, it just saves so much time and, and relieves stress in other areas. 
uh, cooked by chefs with the help of nutritionists right there at Freshly. And uh, you can definitely taste the difference when the meals arrive at your door. No artificial ingredients, gluten-free meals, and there's even uh, vegetarian and vegan options as well, which is important for me and maybe for you. Go to Freshly.com. They've got a very special order, exclusive, a very special offer exclusively for Phone Booth Fighting listeners right now. What you do is you enter the promo code PHONEBOOTH at checkout and get $40 off your first two orders. There's free shipping on every single order, so that's six meals cooked by Freshly Chefs for only $39. And then you eat those. You're going to love those. You're going to want six more. Guess what? Enter that promo code PHONEBOOTH again. You're going to save uh, another another 20 bucks on that food as well. So uh, $40 off your first two orders by entering the promo, the promo code PHONEBOOTH at Freshly.com. Also, Frank Earth's Brew brings you this podcast week in and week out. And uh, a couple of very loyal sponsors uh, to the Phone Booth Fighting family. Jonathan and Joe created this all-natural plant-based relaxation product and uh, they have uh, come up with a way uh, to, for just 15 calories per packet, create something without any artificial sweeteners, ingredients, or, or the like that you can just mix up in a little bit of, uh, of, of water at, uh, at bedtime, after a long day, whatever uh, the case may be, and uh, relax without having to take in a bunch of say sugar that's involved in alcohol and things like that because that's i think one of the main ingredients and what gets people kind of fat and out of shape is they're trying to relax at the bar but uh, a couple of thousand calories later uh their physique is showing it right yeah beer bellies catch up to you quick that happens plant-based nirvana relaxation fusing the best of all worlds health taste efficacy and experience it's also compatible with all diets if you do keto uh paleo if you're a, a vegan vegetarian like me frank i know uh you have enjoyed it after uh training for example you do uh, and you're, you're really about to start kicking that into full gear a couple of training sessions a day it's gonna be nice to have a couple of packets of earth's brew in your gym bag yeah absolutely when you're beat up and you're tired sometimes it helps to uh get into that relaxed state of mind to to be able to drift off into sleep and also you know as you have anything that you're preparing for stresses of daily life sometimes the mind is just uh you know winding away and i found this very useful in helping me calm down to get me into that mood to uh, just fall asleep naturally go to earthsbrew.com and enter the promo code phone booth for 10 percent off all orders at checkout that's promo code phone booth for 10 percent off at earthsbrew.com all right, Frank, uh, before we get into uh, what happened uh, with Conor McGregor tonight at Bellator, we're actually going to play it because we got it pulled up here on the screen. It was on tape delay over from Ireland. We have a little bit of uh, UFC breaking news. Did you hear Anderson Silva yeah. is out of his fight with Kelvin Gastelum? It was uh, supposed to occur later this month, November 25th. That fight's already been rescheduled once, and it had been rescheduled uh, uh well, it had been rescheduled once after uh, Gestalum had yeah. fallen out of it the first time. Marijuana, not yeah. any performance enhancing. <laughs> right. This is uh, this is a flagging uh, at the hands of USADA. Uh, Anderson Silva uh, tested uh, positive 
in an out-of-competition test on a sample that was collected on October 26th. As a result, he has been provisionally suspended by USADA, and because the fight is just a couple of weeks away over in China, uh, the UFC is seeking a replacement opponent for Kelvin Gastelum. Really bad news for Anderson Silva because this is going to be second time around, right, yeah. uh, for him. And by those USADA standards, especially at the age Anderson Silva's at, if there's no mitigating circumstances to this, is that it? We call it a career? Yeah, well, I, but his first offense didn't happen under USADA banner, right? So is this still considered a first offense? Was that right? I think so, because, I mean, remember Josh Barnett got in trouble, but he even popped, I think, three different times for Winstrel. Yeah. But then when he just got caught, his right. last competition test. You know uh, what? Let me look that. I'll look that up, because uh, right. that's a good question. It was right around that time, I think. So um, I'm not sure. Let's look that up. Uh, I'll tell you what, while we're looking that up, let's uh, let's just cut to Bellator uh, 187. Well, I mean, I guess just to finish, you know, just yeah. who knows where we're going with Anderson, yeah. if it's going to be two or four, but both would be pretty detrimental. Well, that's true. Even if it's treated like a first time you saw the suspension at yeah, this point. Yeah, you know, so, I mean, he's 42 now? Uh, he is, hold on a second, I will tell you exactly how old he is. Uh, sounds right. Um, no, I always thought he was about four years older than I am. Yeah, okay, hold on. Anderson Silva is, uh, he was born in 75. Yeah, so you're right. Yep, 42. And uh, let me just look up that one suspension and see. Um, he got nine months time served or something for that one. Yeah. It was taking some kind of, uh, he claimed they were dick pills, but. Boy, beware the dick pill. Just beware the dick pill. That's you know what though. That's a lot of uh, a commitment to your to your dick. Well, no, you sit there. You're like, okay, you're busted on this. All right. So what's the excuse? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I need pills. For, what you're gonna do now is you're gonna say that your dick doesn't work all that great. So you have to take pills to help your dick out. Mm -hmm. I have to say that on publicly to everybody yeah you're gonna say that publicly to everybody <laughs> yeah. like, nah it's all right man i took juice no. yeah <laughs> it's almost kind of equivalent you ever seen that one uh, what was that commercial with eli manning and they're sitting there and they're like you know he's in a courtroom yeah. and they go sir we'd like to enter into uh you know uh, uh records uh my uh, uh clients browsing history for that night and he goes oh, i yeah. did it i killed yeah, it no. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no no it's good just stop you know what that one reminds me of that one reminds me of um remember uh george zimmerman the guy that killed trayvon martin yeah. so it was introduced oh, into the i know trial exactly what you're saying this yeah, yeah. that he he had <laughs> trained jujitsu because they kept using the term ground and pound and for his defense, they had his jiu-jitsu instructor get up and basically say he was the worst student he'd ever seen. Yeah. Like, that was – and that's probably good for your defense, but at oh. the same time, you've got somebody up there going, oh, this guy is the biggest pussy I've no, ever no, no, no. seen. What about Lloyd Irving's rape defense? Okay, you're going to have to help me out because I do not remember all of that story. Okay, now, Lloyd Irving – I remember the basics of it. girl came back, said she was raped by a couple of the guys, you know, and then Lloyd was a part of that group. Yeah. Lloyd's defense was, I was there. Yes, I even, like, maybe, you know, participated. I forgot the extent of what he said, but basically, no, I didn't fuck her because I couldn't get hard. Really? Yeah. Oh, geez. See – 
Why didn't we hear more about that story? I didn't. Now you got to get your phone out while I'm looking yeah. up Anderson Silva's See, you know, drug here's the thing suspension. I have to do sometimes. Yeah. I have to look things up and be like, okay, was that in the news or was that me talking to one of his students? Yeah, we, we better <laughs> we better make sure about that, especially uh, given some of the stuff we have to uh, talk about you might later. Have to, uh... All right. So, so Silva tested positive the first time. <laughs> In after the Nick Diaz fight, that was January thirty first, two thousand fifteen. Because I remember both those guys had uh, Diaz tested positive for for pot. Um, okay, on February seventeenth. Okay, that's when the suspension was confirmed. Uh, August thirteenth of two thousand fifteen. That was the disciplinary hearing for Silva. Um. Um, and then he came back a year later on February 27, 2016. So when did USADA start? Uh, was it 2015? Yeah, but it wasn't, it was like summer, wasn't it? I kind of think, I'm thinking summer for some reason. I feel like it was around mid-year, if I'm not mistaken. So maybe you're right. Maybe at the beginning of the year, it had not quite kicked in yet, but he got he got a year suspension, just I guess by the UFC or by the State Athletic Commission, yeah, probably by the State Athletic, Athletic Commission. Commission. Yeah, okay. Well, there you go. So, but like you said, even if it's a, a first year suspension, that's going to be bad enough. Uh, first time suspension under USADA, given his age. Bummer about Anderson Silva. All right, so Bellator one eighty seven is in Dublin, Ireland tonight. And the card um, features, I mean, by most standards, not a ton of, uh, of top talent. There is a, a featherweight standout, uh, A.J. McKee, in the main event, undefeated fighter, uh, undefeated in nine fights with six finishes. Real young guy, too. He's taken on Brian Moore, uh, who is stepping in for his originally scheduled uh, opponent, uh, who is James Gallagher, who's one of the SBG Ireland fighters. So Conor McGregor is the face of that, obviously, in the face of Ireland, for that matter, in oh, MMA. Okay. So I didn't uh, spread lies. Okay. It says Irving, uh, in the case of 19, um, gang rape in 1989. Oh, 89? Yeah. 89? Yeah, due to the fact that Newport Police and Cordes and I just had it and it's fucking. I'm getting old, man. Like 1989? Yeah. That was a long time. I, I was thinking that was a more recent story. No, that. no, I think it just came. Well, there was other situations of sexual misconduct oh, boy. at his gym with students and stuff. Uh, I don't right. think necessarily him doing it. But here was a... Yeah, according to the follow-up article, the same period, the only reason Irving wasn't convicted was due to the fact that he was able to convince the jury that he was impotent when it came to his turn to perform the act. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, you know something. You know something. You're sorry. That's what I was saying. Just like I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. I, you, well, know no, what I mean? like, you want to be clear about everything. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. But but I mean, so that going back to what we we're saying about yeah. coming up with something as a uh, justification for your excuse for why you're not guilty, and then to sit there and go, well, you know, it, it would almost kind of be like, you know, you know, this girl says this. The guy got a little dick. I couldn't have done that. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's that's your defense. You're gonna go with that. <laughs> Just just avoid erections at the gym. How about that? That'd just be a good blank. That's what I do. 
You know, I there's nothing there's nothing uh, sexual for me going on there. <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. There's a close tie between violence and sexuality. No. Yeah. All right. All so right, so, so uh, Bellator 187 uh, was in Ireland tonight, and uh, there were a number of SBG fighters on the card, and that's Conor McGregor's uh, crew. So uh, I actually queued this up here so we could watch it. You you and I have not seen the. Uh, not seen the fight yet. This the the fight where this happened actually kicked off the main card. Conor McGregor uh, jumped in the cage post fight. His uh, his training partner here uh, got the knockout uh, finish. Conor jumped the cage to celebrate. Uh, the first problem being that Conor was not a licensed corner man. And, you know, this is the second time in just the last couple of weeks that this has been a problem for Conor because Artem Lebov, who was fighting in the UFC a couple of weeks ago, uh, Conor, Charlie Ward, by the way, is uh, the guy that's training partners with Conor and James Gallagher. Um, uh, Artem Lebov was fighting, and what happened was Conor was sitting cage side. I don't know if you saw this or not, but he was getting up and walking right up to the cage and and cornering him essentially. I mean, shouting instructions at him. And Mark Goddard, who's the referee for this fight, who was the referee a couple of weeks ago, was telling Connor to go sit down because he wasn't a licensed corner man. You know, you can yell out as a fan, but from your seat, you can't just walk up to the cage and join in the corner. So uh, that happened a couple of weeks ago. That was weird enough, but this one's a whole nother level of weird. So um, uh, Ward is. Uh, yeah, first round here, and I, I think it was like a first round finish or something. I don't think it lasts very long, but we'll be able to watch it real time. And uh, you can tell me what you think with Connor jumping the fence. And he not only jumped the fence, but uh, after Goddard got involved and some of the other athletic uh, officials got involved to try to separate him, I think Connor somehow put his hands on Goddard, maybe pushed him from behind. And uh, I, that much I saw in the fan film video that I looked at earlier. Uh, what I didn't see, although it was part of the report, maybe we can see it on the official Spike telecast here, is that uh, uh, Connor made physical contact with one of the uh, athletic officials. So that maybe apparently happened too. By the way, what do you think is up with the solid green sleeve of the tattoo? I think it's a cover-up. Yeah? yeah? That's an awful lot of cover-up. I mean, maybe I'm, I'm trying to look to see if yeah. I can, you know, because usually even on a, any cover-up, you can see yeah. little shadowings of yeah. what was underneath of it. Uh, I don't know. That's a pretty, I mean, that's a boring thing to get done, too, because any type of, you know, that's like shading, yeah. it doesn't hurt as much as getting things lined up. Yeah. Because it's, you know, it's like a, an 11, you know, uh, uh, needles at once, just almost like a fan, you know, like yeah. a brush. But, I mean, that just that just was uh, methodically boring to sit there and just get painted on like that. It is like that. It's like somebody. It's like he just went in and said, hey, give me, uh, you know, unless he was just a fan of the old jazz standard green sleeves. I don't know why. Sorry, buddy. You to... Anyone would no one. Anybody that gets that reference is dead. They're not okay. listening to this podcast, uh, or they're an old they're they're an old black man, old jazz trumpet player or something. Maybe we have one or two of those listening. Um, all right. Anyway, well, uh, Ward is definitely was owning the ground there, and the fight goes back to the feet. I guess we're doing a little quasi uh, fight companion here. Uh, Boy, first fight of the night. Anyway, what I was saying to you earlier off the air, we can talk about this until the moment occurs, is that, boy, talk about Conor McGregor, who is, 
not only the the face of the rival organization, the UFC, but honestly, all of MMA. No, I would say he's the face of oh, MMA. Just right absolutely. He is by far the most famous mixed martial yeah. artist in the world. Just handing a ton of free publicity to the Bellator promotion. I mean, he's not supposed to be in there. Maybe there will be some sort of repercussion. Maybe there'll be a fine. I don't know what. But it's amazing to think. Do you think they're really going to be able to find him? Well, the UFC no. can't. They don't. Yeah. That's in their fight. They don't have well, a jurisdiction. It, well, over. they have morality and conduct clauses in their contracts. Yeah, you know, you go out and say something stupid, and they can't. Yeah. But I mean, what are they going to do against? Yeah, what are they going to do? They're busy trying to lure him back. Yeah, into the octagon. Connor um, now calls the shots. I mean, you think about it. What would what would happen if if virtually any other UFC fighter? Because really, what you're doing is, I mean, you're doing it in an aggressive manner, but there's not a whole lot of difference in just walking into the cage and cutting a promo, you know, taking the mic and, and, uh, uh, giving a little, uh, free airtime to your rival organization. I would think virtually any other fighter in the UFC organization would be severely sanctioned by oh. their employer for doing that. Yep. Dana would say something to be on record for it already. Kevin Ioli would already have printed it out. <laughs> right. Then there would be an apology from the fighter right, and, and right. whatever repercussions were going to come from it. Absolutely. But in Conor McGregor's case... I bet we hear nothing. Not only nothing on that end, but I don't even know what could be done in an official capacity because the fight is in Ireland. So it's not like it's in a state like in the United States where there would be a state athletic commission governing it. Now, maybe Ireland has their own. You never fought in Ireland, have you? No, but they have their own athletic commission. Do they? Does Ireland? I'm pretty sure they do. I mean, some countries do, some don't. I know well, sometimes. They have when, an athletic commission, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, what they can do is just they'll go after the fighter. Uh, well, the fighter, not Connor. Yeah. Well, the fighter didn't do anything. Well, just like if my cornermen do something, I can be fined. Uh, yeah, but he wasn't a cornerman. Yeah, See, but, that was the whole issue. He's just, at this point, he's a fan. Yeah. I mean, I, the, the one thing you could do, honestly, if you really wanted to, Bellator wouldn't do this because they're probably happy with the publicity. You could charge him with trespassing. Well, but, I mean, that's even more publicity. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That would be funny. But, you know, it's no different than, like, if a, if a fan uh, jumps in the cage. I guess he's going to make it out of the first round here. Boy, this guy Ward took – oh, that's a shot. Okay, knockout right there toward the end of the first round. Okay, so here comes Connor. Oh my goodness, Connor just tackled him, and now uh, Goddard is pulling Ward off. They're embracing, uh, trying to separate him, and now Connor is mad. Yeah, he pushed Mark Goddard from behind. He's pointing at him. Boy, they're they're nearly. Poor guy just got knocked. I out. know. He's getting trampled. Yeah. Boy, this is a mess. Okay, so now Connor McGregor's. Got his finger in Mark Goddard's face. Let's see. And we got different people getting involved. Trying to hold Conor McGregor. He seems to really be focusing on Mark Goddard here. Uh, they got him. They're getting him out of the cage. I think he, if I think he might have come back in, if what I saw earlier is the case. They're trying to get Conor out of the cage right now. All right, he's raising his arms in victory there. Boy, the, the arena hadn't even got that many people in it yet because uh, it's, I guess, first fight of the night or first fight of the telecast anyway. Boy, Ward, meanwhile, got a nasty cut on his forehead. There he comes. He's coming back in. 
Now he's coming back in the cage. Oh, boy. What do you make of this? I don't know. I mean, let's just set it aside for a second that it's Conor McGregor. I mean, you can't have stuff like this going no, on. No, in fact, I don't, I would have thought someone would have snatched him up by now. Yeah. I mean, that's why they have, you know, in Vegas, they have the police are, are sitting there also yeah. inside in case if anybody gets out of hand like that. So maybe it's uh, something that they do in the future in the Ireland shows. I don't know. No kidding. <laughs> Well, I don't know. There has to be an Irish and drinking joke in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what. I, I don't know how many people would have tuned in for the very beginning of this fight card because this was on tape delay, too. So this actually got press in the middle of the afternoon right, yeah, today that this had happened. And you talk about a, a teaser. I mean, you want to talk about a promo yeah. where, you know, don't miss the beginning of the telecast on Spike TV tonight. Boy, Conor McGregor just uh, – uh, that's invaluable what he did there uh, for for uh, for the fight card, I guess. Also, uh, I wonder what he got mad about, though. I think he was mad that I think there is already existing tension between him and Goddard because of a couple of weeks ago. Right. He didn't like being told to, you know, get back to his seat. Uh, so there's probably a little bit of that. And then I think it's probably also the fact it was so aggressive. I mean, he jumped in and tackles his training partner and they're rolling around on the ground together and then you know goddard and the other officials are pulling him off i mean he doesn't have anything to be mad about goddard's yeah. completely in the right to do yeah. it but maybe it's just a matter of uh connor doesn't like being told what to do i don't know yeah yeah also i guess we'll let this just roll while we're doing the rest of the show but uh in addition to that main event you know kimbo slice's son is fighting on this card yep uh, uh, Kevin Ferguson Jr., baby slice at uh, 165 pounds. I guess he inherited his mother's physique at 165 pounds. Uh, a one and one uh, record that yeah, he's Ferguson was. I mean, that guy could have been had life been differently. He looked like a linebacker in the NFL, yeah. Yeah. That guy was, you know, built like a brick house. Yeah, for sure. All right. So I guess that'll come up here in a little bit. Let's talk about this UFC fight card that's going down uh, as we tape tomorrow night in Norfolk, Virginia. A little bit of a sleeper card. You know, this one coming off of the heels of one of the best pay per views in recent memory for the UFC a couple of weeks ago. And then, um, uh, well, I think we were, we were all really excited for the Max Holloway Frankie Edgar fight. Uh, I don't know if you heard that's scratched because yeah, uh, Edgar's hurt. It, it, do you know what happened to him? I, I saw that he got scratched from it from the yeah. December second card, but I don't know specifically what the injury is. But uh, um, I don't think it's anything that's going to keep him out of action a real long time. I think they're trying to find another opponent for Max Holloway. But with that being said, this uh, Norfolk card this weekend kind of you know, flew under the radar, I think, just a bit. But it's actually pretty stacked card, especially for a fight night card. Um, at the top of the marquee, a uh, lightweight contenders matchup between Dustin the Diamond Poirier, ranked number eight by the UFC, and number 13 ranked former UFC lightweight champion, Anthony Showtime Pettis. Now, Poirier, speaking of Conor McGregor, uh, you know, lost Connor a couple of years back and has been on a five and one run with no contest 
since uh, that loss to McGregor. Uh, Alvarez's last or uh, uh, Poirier's last fight was against Eddie Alvarez. It was that weird no contest. I don't yeah, with remember. The knee on the yeah, that yeah. whole thing that happened, which sucked because that was a fight everybody was excited to see. Um, but with that hiccup uh, aside, uh, Poirier's five and one. Now Pettis has really been on more of a wandering journey. Uh, since he lost his lightweight title to Rafael Dos Anjos, he'd gone on a three-fight skid, and then remember he went down to featherweight and back up to lightweight and that sort of thing, and he's kind of alternated wins and losses. So definitely more momentum for Poirier than uh, Pettis at that point, but uh, certainly you can't can't sleep on the skills of Pettis. So that being said, what do you think? You know what? Until I see Pettis change it around, yeah, it's not a lot of confidence in what he. You know, I'm going back to what he was capable of doing earlier in his career, and, and all the way up to the championship, and then even defending the belt. But then, uh, ever since that loss to RDL, it just he's just been on a downward spiral where he just even it just, it just hasn't looked like himself. It is like you know one of those kind of two different directions they went in in terms of of how do you rebound from a high-profile loss. Pettis loses his title to RDA, but uh, Poirier, you know, lost a fight to, uh, you know, to Conor McGregor, who was really just emerging into superstardom at that time. But contrary to kind of the the, the troubles and struggles that, that Pettis has had, Poirier has really got right back on track and has, you know, regained his steam, regained his momentum. So, um, uh, but uh, on paper, that looks like a great matchup. The co-main event is interesting because uh, nothing at stake here in terms of title shots, but you want to talk about uh, something that looks like fireworks on paper. How about Matt, the immortal Brown, taking on Diego, the nightmare Sanchez at welterweight. Now, Matt Brown had said leading up to this fight this was going to be his retirement fight because he's on a three-fight skid himself. I mean, no shame in losing to these guys, Donald Cerrone, uh, Damian Maya, Jake Ellenberger, but he's also lost five of his last six. The other two losses were to uh, Johnny Hendricks and uh, Robbie Lawler. The only fight that he's won in the last six was against uh, Tim Means, but apparently this week he kind of hedged a little bit on retirement. He was saying this was going to be a retirement fight, and then I think, you know, you get busy with fight week, and you remember all the reasons you like fighting and all that kind of stuff, and he kind of backed off of that a little bit. But he has been KO'd in his last two fights. I mean, um, and he's he's in his late 30s, I think, at this point, too. So, you know, I don't know. What do you... What do you can you put yourself in the head of uh, Matt Brown for a second? It's hard to want to give it up. I mean, you sit there and, and in one essence you, you're not being successful, but then you also realize you're not maybe having success against some of the talent that you're facing. Uh, giving it up completely is just it's it's a hard pill for any athlete, I think, to swallow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's why I think you see a lot of guys maybe step out of a UFC or a Bellator type of organization, step down to somewhere a little bit. Uh, you know, slower paced mm-hmm. guys that are a little bit newer and green, you know, and uh, still be able to continue on and enjoy, you know, especially if you're not somebody, well, I guess it depends on your reasons for fighting. If you're fighting for the purest reasons, cause you enjoy to fight, then to give that up sucks. It's like, well, I, I like to fight, you know, fighting yeah. is fun. Uh, you know, there's a, you know, uh, if you're just fighting because if you want to be famous or you want to make money, I think it's easier to retire for those reasons. Cause it's like, 
well, especially after you, 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 you gain a certain amount of notoriety and fame. And now you're like, well, I can go do stunt work or be parts in movies or I can go open up a gym here and still make money, still be involved. And it's like, all right, well, you know, that kind of scratches the itch. But if, again, going back to and, – and I'm thinking that Matt Brown is that guy that likes to fight for the sake of fighting. Yeah. To sit there and say, well, guess what, dude? There is nothing that's going to replace the feeling you feel in the middle of that fight. You know, are you really ready to give it up? Hypothetically speaking, do you think, to give you two different scenarios, do you think it would be harder to, you know, uh, come to terms with retirement if you're, A, maybe a, a really good fighter, but but you've never quite, you either never challenge for the title or you let's say you never held the title let's say you know because because you know brown's contended but let's say you know okay you've never held that title um but and you you've been a quality fighter and you're in a deep division and you know but but you've just never really you haven't lived uh for a number of years maybe just at the very top of contention do you think it's easier to retire that way and just looking at it and going okay well i had a really respectable career i just never quite you know got to title contention or do you think it's tougher to do it even when you've had more success i mean on the one hand you could say well i've already achieved a lot of what i want to achieve maybe i've even already held titles but you know i look at at like brown's record for example and when you name off okay you know you've lost five of your last six that does not sound good by any means until you start looking at the people you've lost to lawler cerrone hendrix maya you know i mean do you think it's tougher when you can look at it and go, okay, well, I might have lost five of the last six, but it's to all killers. Yeah, I think that that is makes it a harder decision. I think it's because, like, well, I mean, shit, anybody in their prime, the best guys in the world lose to those guys. Yeah, Those guys beat each other, trade victories back and forth. I mean, you're talking about the deep end of the pool there. There's some big sharks. I think that I would feel, speaking of myself, right, I think that when the day comes where I'm losing to guys that nobody has a clue who they are, that are up and coming, people that never would have even lasted two or three minutes with me in, in my heyday, I think that's an easier sign on the wall to sit there and go, well, shit, it's time to hang it up. you know. Mm -hmm. But when you're losing to guys all in the top 10, it's like, ah, well, shit, you know what I mean? Like, you know, now what do you say? Like, I mean, that's one of the things that I held on to when people for their while talked about, you know, when I was having a slide. Of, of losses I'm like well you know you should give it up i'm like you realize i haven't lost to anybody outside the top 10 mm -hmm. everybody i fight outside the top 10 i smash they don't make it one round and i'm, I'm losing to guys like an alistair overeem or a daniel cormier it's like you know i don't know if you're aware but these guys are pretty good fighters yeah and yeah they go back and forth and win i just happen to be fighting fucking shitty choices on my part probably, but I keep fighting killer after killer after killer instead of maybe taking a breath and fighting, you know, having more Duffy's thrown in there. I probably should have mm -hmm. done throughout my career where it's like, mm -hmm. Hey, can off a loss. Yeah. Let's go fight Alistair. It's like, Oh, well, you know, that's not probably the best idea. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so Matt Brown's probably that same guy that just chooses to keep taking, you know, here he loses the law. They're like, Hey, well, why don't you fight Maya now? It's like, Oh, well, sure. It's like, we're maybe somebody else and better management would have sat there and went nope let's go mm. ahead and fight somebody you know we'll go ahead and slip down to the prelims let's fight an up-and-comer let's fight somebody a little bit more uh less than you know donald cerrone you know yeah 
Yeah. Well, um, always exciting. You know, Diego Sanchez always delivers. Matt Brown always delivers. And, um, you know, Brown is going to fall. If he does not fight again, he's going to be one of those fighters for me who is, he would retire as a winning fighter, but not by a lot. I think at this point he's got a few more wins and losses. But I think there is a moral victory in a fighter being able to have that long of a career where you look at the actual record and you go, well, there's a fair amount of losses on that record, but he will also stick out in your mind as one of the more exciting fighters oh, yeah. you in ever fact, watched. Actually, this fight will be because, and that's why it's hard for him to want to retire because people would still want to, I still want to watch him fight. Yeah. You know, there's there's fights you watch because they might be able to position who's going to be the best guy in that weight class. And it scratches that mental itch that like, well, who's the best welterweight? So I want to see that line up. But I think now we're really coming into an era of fighting where it's kind of like playing a video game where you're like, well, I want to see that guy fight that guy. Mm. Well, who's going to be the number one guy afterwards? Like, fuck, I don't care. I just want to see that guy fight that guy. Yeah. I'm curious to see what's going to happen, you know? And, and like, this is a fight. Neither guy are anywhere near getting a title shot. They'd have to probably both go on a five-fight win streak to even be in the conversation at this point in their careers. Um, not that they couldn't do it, but but the thing is, is that I still think this is a a, a main card fight because, fuck, man, it's exciting. I want to see. I mean, I every fight I've ever seen Diego Sanchez in, he's crazier than shit. He's bad shit crazy, and he fights like it, you know. And and uh, Matt just don't get, you know. I mean, that guy doesn't back down. You have to kill him, you know. The whole time he's coming after you, you know. So the seeing these two guys collide, it's like. I don't care what this says about where they are in the division. It's yeah. in itself is a super exciting fight. I want to watch heavyweights are in action too. In the feature bout, uh, our, uh, Andre Arlovsky, uh, is, uh, who is a, a fairly recent opponent of yours currently ranked number, uh, 13 is, uh, going to be taken on, uh, Fellow, is it Junior Albini? Jeez, I gotta look this up. I got caught. This is this guy is an up and comer. He's had one uh, fight in the UFC. Uh, he's coming off his UFC debut, which was a first round KO over uh, Tim Johnson. He's gonna be mad at me when he finds out I had to look up his uh, first name. But uh, he's a fourteen and two record overall, and. Um, you know, speaking of Arlovsky, while well, I'm looking this up, uh, Arlovsky comes into this uh, on a five-fight skid. And uh, some people say it should have been a six-fight skid, by the way. Uh, but a, uh, a five-fight uh, losing streak. And, you know, that, that, here's another guy that is, is, has got to be in that, in that kind of Matt Brown predicament right now of um, – of, needing to make some some tough decisions certainly with a with a loss i mean maybe uh if he beats uh if uh he beats albini uh then he lives to fight another day but you know six fights in a row um especially against yeah junior albini uh in case he um if he loses to this fighter what do you think this might be the last time we see arlovsky um he made such a name for himself uh, and heavyweights are not a deep pool. Yeah. Um, I think the only weight class that might be more shallow or, you know, we can make this argument out is the flyweights. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just that there's not a lot of heavyweight guys out there 
with athletic ability and the mindset to want to fight that end up going into fighting. You know, we lose a lot of guys, professional football, you know, playing hockey. You know, well, that guy would have been a good fighter. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, he went a different route in life. And so, uh, you know, whereas the other weight classes, you know, if you're a 170 pound killer, it's not easy to be in the NFL, you know, but, you know, you could be a professional fighter and be a world class athlete. I mean, DJ, you know, is, is the best example of that. The guy, you, you know, you see him work around the, the, the uh, cage. The guy is a world class athlete, pound for pound, a freak. Yeah. You put him on a football field, he'd get murdered. You know what I mean? Like, even probably on a high school level, I don't know how well he would do. But, you know, you put weight restrictions and now, you know, he can do well. Well, the heavyweights, we don't have that factor. So, uh, you know, I think that Andre still, if he, they, they put him in situations where he's still a draw, if he wants to keep fighting, I think it just comes down to a health issue. You know, as long as he's not getting, you know, uh, you know, Chuck Liddell was an example of that, who probably could have kept on fighting because of all the things he accomplished. But he started losing in ways that I think put fear into people. You, you, you were watching him fight going... You know, I remember when he fought Rashad Evans. I thought he might be dead. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Holy shit, that might be the first death we've ever seen!" Like, mm-hmm. I'm watching somebody that you know, his eyes open, just on the ground, not even moving, not even going through convulsions, just yeah. completely quiet. I'm like, "Whoa!" And so, and then that was happening several fights in a row. You know, uh, and so you know, if Andre is able to stay competitive. You know, the losses are you know a psychological you know. Uh, hurdle for him to get over but if he still sells tickets and he's not a health issue the organization will keep him yeah here's uh kimbo slice's son baby slice is uh about to uh his fight's about to start fighting fred freeman who made his pro debut back in uh i think it was february or march um also while we're uh taking a look at uh baby slice here uh, another notable fight cancellation. Did you hear Dominic Cruz and Jimmy Rivera are off? Yeah. Cruz that are, one yeah. sucks. That's a bummer. So it's Cruz, um, it's hurt, right? Yeah, I believe so. So, uh, this is, uh, uh, these are a couple fights I was really looking forward to between that one and then, uh, Edgar and Holloway as well. The Edgar so. Holloway one, I was extremely oh, looking too. forward to. I, I thought that would have been one of the, you know, that was one of the more marquee matchups in the year. Yeah. Um, and Cruz. That's be pretty crushing to him because right now with Garbrandt getting knocked out the way he did and then now Dillashaw is the champ again, somebody that he had actually defeated, you know, a bit, uh, you know, I know a split decision victory, but, you know, he has a win over the current champion. So, you know, uh, vying for a title shot if Garbrandt doesn't get an immediate rematch. Cruz were to be successful uh, against Jimmy. Hard to say that he doesn't get the title shot, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, and now he just took himself a back seat. Yeah. Hey, we got some clarification on the situation with George St. Pierre, too. The last episode, we were talking about how good he looked in his uh, comeback against Michael Bisbing, took Bisbing's middleweight title, and we were uh, playing matchmaker and speculating on what uh, GSP should do next. Well, it turns out, uh, apparently, his contract was more specific than we realized, uh, than anyone realized until GSP revealed it. Uh, He is actually contractually obligated to fight interim middleweight champion Robert Whitaker to unify the middleweight title. He actually doesn't have a choice. Oh, so wow. that was apparently specified in the contract when he fought, when he agreed to fight Bisbing that if he won the middleweight title, he wouldn't just leave it. He'd have to uh, unify against Whitaker. Now GSP apparently has a neck injury, something that uh, he injured in the first round. 
Uh, he says he's already getting treatment for it. It's nothing that should keep him out of action. I don't think too terribly long, but basically we're, that's what we're going to have unless anything changes is, uh, GSP and Robert Whitaker. I know they've got a fight coming up in Perth. Uh, and I, I don't know if it can be done. Oh boy. Baby slice just took the back, sunk in the rear naked choke. There's the tap three minutes left in the first round. So two minutes into the first round. That's awesome. I'm glad to see somebody who's, uh, yeah, that's really Ferguson's kid, right? I mean, yeah. How old is he? His name's Kevin Ferguson Jr. Uh, you know, I don't have his age in front of me. I'm not sure. Because, I mean, how old was Kimbo? Kimbo was, Kimbo was older. I mean, he was early he was 40s. 42 when he died, right? Was that right, 42? I knew he was in his early 40s. Right, so yeah. Well, he... We look this yeah. up, dude. I remember, did he have a kid at, like, 14? Well... I'm not going to completely rule out the possibility. <laughs> uh, you can tell me, but uh, yeah. Good old Wikipedia. Let's, let's yeah. Check it out. Let's see what's going on here. All right. So good night for Kevin Ferguson <laughs> Jr. But anyway, well, I guess we'll get GSP and Robert Whitaker, which makes me feel better about born in '74. Uh, yep. Let's see. What relatives? Roddy Ferguson. Roddy Roddy Ferguson. That's his relative. Six children. <laughs> okay. I didn't know Roddy Ferguson and him were related. No, I made a joke. It's not you're thinking of Roddy Piper. No, Roddy Ferguson, the judo oh. guy. Oh, I American didn't. I don't, oh, I don't know the judo guy. Oh yeah, yeah. He, he, oh yeah, he's uh, down in Boca Raton with the top team and stuff. Yeah, he, uh, he always helped like Jeff Monson and stuff. Like I, I know him. He's actually a good martial artist. I wonder if that was uh, Kimbo's entree into ATT. I mean, he was already in Florida. Yeah, that I was... just assumed that was always the connection. Was that he was he was just already in Florida? No, well, okay. So anyways, uh... are they? Does it say how they're related? They cousins? No, I'm trying to figure that okay. out. All right, well, while uh, Frank will determine the uh, exact age of Kevin Ferguson Jr., um, and... Uh, oh, yeah, so, I mean, I mean, yeah, I guess that works, because Kevin Jr. is 25. Yeah. So, let's see, he was born in 92, 74. So, yeah, I was like 18 when he had him. Yeah. All right, I'd, I'd still... That's not crazy, yeah. It's not crazy, I'd still recommend against it. Yeah, you know, know. but, um, you know, <laughs> not really the recipe for success. No, but these things it do can happen. happen though. That's yeah. right. So anyway, congratulations to baby slice. All right, uh, Frank, uh, tell everybody about low Well, you know, it's one of the easiest ways to make sure that you're feeling at a hundred percent, you know, your hormones and how your body's functioning and firing off is going to be a lot to do with how you feel and how you're able to go out there and make the most use out of all your workouts and how you eat, how you sleep, how you feel and how you conduct yourself with others. So down there, you know, you go ahead and call Brandon down there at, uh, low T nation, talk to Jason and, uh, They'll inform you all the information, give you a you know, consultation, see if you're even viable for it. Uh, if you sound like
somebody that might be necessarily in need of, of uh, any kind of uh, hormone treatment. They'll direct you in the right way. You can talk to your general pr- uh, practitioner uh, to make sure that everybody's on board, knows what blood work needs to be done. They'll set it up for you once the blood work is done and they get the test results. And if you are deemed uh, that you're necessary for this type of uh, medical treatment, then at that point it becomes super convenient. You never leave your house again. Uh, it's shipped directly to the door and you're able to continue on with the medication, being very consistent and very convenient. The thing I'm amazed about is how many male listeners to phone booth fighting we have that are uh, qualified candidates for the lowtnation.com treatment. We hear from more and more of them uh, every week. I know uh, Brandon over at Low T Nation hears uh, on the phone from more and more of them every week. And uh, you can be next, and uh, you can be the next one uh, with a new lease on life, literally. What you need to do is go to lowtnation.com, call the phone number, uh, get uh, a free over-the-phone consultation. They're going to set you up with a lab in your area. They're based in Atlanta. That doesn't matter in terms of where you're based because no matter where you are, they're going to find a lab uh, that can do the quick, uh, necessarily uh, preliminary testing. And then from there, everything is just shipped directly to your door. That's the only out-of-house trip you're going to have to make to get on board with LowTNation.com. All right. So uh, as uh, Baby Slice is getting his hand raised in victory here, Frank, a couple of things that – Big breaking news stories from earlier today, and this first one really kind of dovetails on a lot of what's been going on the last couple months that I I guess, I don't even think you and I have really touched on it in terms of like all of the... Sexual allegations. Yes, although, I mean, it really started with Harvey Weinstein uh, and then, you know, ensnared some other uh, big name uh, Hollywood types. But the latest today is uh, Louis C.K., the yeah. comedian. Now, Louis C.K. is a guy who, for a lot of years, kind of was, I think, flew under the radar a little bit. Uh, the last couple of years, he's just, he's exploded in terms of his stardom. Uh, he is, I think, in a lot of ways, he is perceived as kind of the comedian's comedian. I mean, now he's more of a household name, but for many years, he's one of these guys that comedians look at and go, I mean, I'll, I'll compare him in some ways to somebody like George Carlin, where comedians will look at him and go, oh, that's that's a guy that I admire, you know. Um, and, and he's an incredible comedic talent. But uh, today, he, he had been accused in the last uh, 24 to 48 hours uh, by a story that was published in the New York Times of sexual misconduct with, uh, I think, five uh, women who went on record with the New York Times. And they had basically accused him across the board of either masturbating in front of them or asking if he could masturbate in front of them or trying to in some way get a scene like that together where he could. And some of these uh, allegations... That's been one of my things. Boy, me neither. We'll talk about that in a second. Like, but the girls there. I know. I, I touching yourself. I, I have some thoughts on that, <laughs> but uh, pretty far back in the past. I mean, two thousand two. Uh, I think uh, one of them even dated uh, back to the early or the mid nineteen nineties. Um, but just to, to to give you an overview of uh, what what was being alleged, uh, for example. A uh, female comedic duo 
Dana Men Goodman and Julia Wolov said back in 2002 at a comedy festival in Aspen that Louis C.K. invited them to his hotel room for drinks, but as soon as they got into the room, they said he asked if he could take out his penis. The women thought he was joking, but then he got naked and masturbated in front of them. The following year in 2003, uh, comic Abby... The girls stayed there and watched? Well, they said that they... Uh, Thought he was joking. They laughed and screamed. But when they saw the dick and realized it wasn't a joke, they stayed. Right. Yeah, and and this, not in all the cases, but in some of the cases, that is kind of a recurring theme. And we should talk about that in a second because yeah, I, I, I know where you're going. Yeah, because you're going to have to help me with this because I, I, I realize that, you know, there's this fine line now where you don't want to do victim blaming. And I get that right. where it's like, okay, well just because you wear a slutty outfit out in two in the morning doesn't mean you deserve to be raped. Definitely not. But on the flip side, it, it seems like because we're so worried about not about victim blaming that then we can't talk about victim responsibility, which is at the same time. I mean, like if I go out in the jungle and don't bring a rifle with me and all of a sudden I get eaten by a tiger you're going to be like, well, you know, it's like, it's my right to fucking walk around. You're like, eh, but I mean, you couldn't have been preventative. You know, again, not that it should ever be. I get it at the end. A rapist is a fucking asshole. Mm -hmm. But like, like I, if this was my daughter and I'm like, you know, daddy, he, he masturbated in front of me. I'm like, wait a minute. So a man invited you up to his room. Yeah. And you went into another man's room. That's not your husband. And you thought it was the guy's not openly gay. No, he's not openly gay. What did you think was going to go on? I mean, in what world did you think that, like, I'm going to be honest with you right now. I'll go on record. I will never invite a woman to my room unless I have sexual incantations in my mind. I can think of no reason to have a woman come up into my hotel room except for to, to fuck her. You know what I mean? That, that's, I mean, if I invited a girl to my room, my wife goes, well, Frank, you know, oh, yeah, I wanted to play chess with her. She knows I'm full of shit. You know what I mean? Like, Frank, there's only one reason why you invited that lady into your hotel room. And you gave her alcohol. Yeah, I was trying to get her drunk, lower inhibition, to play cards. Yeah, to play cards. You know what I mean? Talk shit. Shits and giggles. No. That's like saying, you know, you guys are friends with girls. It doesn't exist. Heterosexual men are not friends with <laughs> No, no. I don't go that far. Uh, I, well, I have female friends. That you've never had a sexual thought about. Sure. Absolutely, yeah. I don't have those female friends. <laughs> you need different friends. <laughs> you are a different. Um, you're an alien, dude. But most uh, men are sick perverts like me. And I let's okay. So so that's kind of some good establishing predicate for this uh, debate. And by the well, way, and then if I sat there and went like, so he pulled his dick out when you realized he wasn't joking. Yeah, mm -hmm. and you watched him masturbate. Yeah, I'm like. Did he tie you up first? Like, what kept you from walking out of the room? Well, I was nervous about that. Well, well, fucking what? Yeah, I the 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 one about so so that's the the circumstances surrounding that one. Now, let me give you this other one because this one I think is a little more easy to determine. He's um he's on the set of a of a TV pilot that he's doing with a uh, comic named Rebecca Corey who I've never met by the way but she has an organization called Stand Up for Pitbulls which oh. is a separate issue but she actually uh, uses she her stand up comedy yeah, to raise money for pitbulls so <laughs> we got someone um, on her team now <laughs> that's right yeah but I I knew her uh, from that but she did a uh, TV pilot and she said you know he'd asked her on the set if he could masturbate 
in front of her. Uh, there was another woman in the uh, late 90s on the set of the Chris Rock show where he had repeatedly asked if he could watch her masturbate. I mean, you can't. Here's what you can't do. You can't walk up to somebody on a job and say, hey, can I masturbate in front of you? Like, that's going to get you in some workplace yeah, trouble. I okay. get it. That's sexual so, harassment. So sexual I, misconduct. Yeah, I so, get it. So I get, I get that. Now, if it's, okay, somebody comes to my hotel room for social circumstances or something. Yeah, but and, in those situations, those girls didn't go up to his room, did not watch him masturbate, right? Well, no. Oh, correct. Yeah, and yeah, the other so the, He came up, asked him a, a very inappropriate question under the illusion that he has power over them because he's fucking Louis C.K. Yeah. And they still said no. Now, he's in trouble, and they're res- and I I think what they did was completely correct. It's like, okay, well, you can't help that someone asked you something like that. I think what you can't do is expose yourself to someone if they're not wanting you to expose yourself to them. Now, at the point in time that you maybe, I don't know how long you stay or you laugh or you have whatever kind of reaction to it, I would hope that the initial, that the, the, the reaction to that would be, uh, I am out of here, right? Because yeah. I, I will tell you something. I mean, this is, when, when I try to relate to this, I mean, I can't relate to it, but, but when I think about it from a male perspective, I, I like to think I'm a pretty... You know, if it's someone I'm comfortable with, uh, or in, certainly in a relationship with, or whatever, a pretty sexually open-minded person. But the one thing that I would just be horrified by is if I ever realized that I thought we were, fl- I thought we were flirting, I thought you're attracted to me, whatever. Maybe we're going to go out. You know, I'm getting up nerve to ask you out on a date. Whatever we're going to do, and then I've misread that. And we have that incredibly awkward moment where you're like, oh, um, oh, you, I'm sorry, you misunderstood. Like, yeah. you know, and even though it's all fine, not, there's nothing inappropriate about that. My face would be red. I would be sweating. I would be like, oh, my God. Like, I just totally misread that. Yeah, I agree so, with you. So I don't, I just don't ever want a moment where, like, I feel unattractive. I mean, I'm not saying I'm a heartthrob, but I just mean by, I like to think that by the time we get to a situation where anybody could be seeing any penises, <laughs> that yeah. it's very clear that we are, even if it's just casually, we're dating or we're, you know, there's there's zero question that we're interested in each other mutually, right? right. Yeah. I mean, that's why I've never throughout my life have ever understood, you know, I guess if you have no other recourse but getting a prostitute, yeah. I've always thought it was like, ah, oh, that's just I, my ego wouldn't allow that. I to couldn't happen. suspend disbelief. That's, I mean, that's I couldn't my just, thing. Yeah, I'm like, I've never banged a girl that didn't want it. You right. know what I mean? Like, or at least you know, told me she wanted. Yeah, it. I mean, you know, to some I, I think level. that being an aggressive male can be, you know, yeah. it has gotten me. You know, in the past, it's how I met Mrs. Meir. Yeah. I was very forthright about my intentions, but she gave me a green light first. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, she didn't come out and say, "Hey, I like you," but there was flirting on her part where i was like oh all right you're giving me the green light i got you from here i'll take over the rest yeah there is something definitely off about this behavior of just going up to this is like i mean i would never think to uh just it's just off masturbating in front of somebody that's fucking yeah i don't (laughs) come on dude that's weird i mean it'd be like hey can you masturbate for me can you do it you know yeah, I mean, hand jobs I, suck. I, I think they're the worst. But. I don't get what, but but there there must be something psychological here, and and we're getting to the fact that Louis C.K. admitted to all this, by the way, which which is interesting. The statement that he put out today, talking about this, I've got it here. But um, 
you know, yeah, th- if anybody at home wants to read one of the best ways to come back off of allegations of misconduct, no. I thought he fucking handled it flawlessly. No, I thought so too. Uh, I if was it's back, true, yeah. I mean, I mean and if and it was in this case, so you know, assuming you you're not having to fight false allegations, then yeah, I thought he did handle it. Well, let's just get to that part. I'll tell you what the uh, what his statement said here. He said. Um, uh, I want to address the stories told to the New York Times by five women, and then he uh, named them, who felt able to name themselves and one who did not. These stories are true. At the time, I said to myself that what I did was okay because I never showed a woman my dick without asking first, which is also true. But what I learned later in life, too late, is that when you have power over another person, asking them to look at your dick isn't a question. It's a predicament for them. The power I had over these women is that they admired me, and I wielded that power irresponsibly. I've been remorseful of my actions, and I've tried to learn from them and run from them. Now I'm aware of the extent of the impact of my actions. I learned yesterday the extent to which I left these women who admired me feeling badly about themselves and cautious around other men who would never have put them in that position. I also took advantage of the fact that I was widely admired in my and their community, which disabled them from sharing their story and brought hardship to them when they tried because people who uh, look up to me didn't want to hear it. I didn't think that I was doing any of that because my position allowed me not to think about it. There is nothing about this I forgive myself for, and I have to reconcile it with who I am, which is nothing compared to the task I left them with. I wish I had reacted to their admiration of me by being a good example to them as a man and given them uh, some guidance as a comedian, including because I admired their work. The hardest regret to live with is that you've done hurt to someone else, and I can hardly wrap my head around the scope of hurt I brought on them. I'd be remiss to exclude the hurt that I brought on people who I work with and have worked with whose professional and personal lives have been impacted by all of this, including projects currently in production. And then he lists all those projects. He apologizes to his manager, uh, to his network, and then he concludes, I brought pain to my family, my friends, my children, and their mother. I have spent my long and lucky career talking and saying anything I want. I will now step back and take a long time to listen. Thank you for reading. And you know, as I... As I read that, and I do agree with what you said, you know, if 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 you're gonna if you got something to own up to, that's just about as good a way to own up to it as you can. It on. But if you substituted, hey, will you look at my dick, or hey, can I jack off in front of you, with, hey, would you like to go to dinner with me? You know, hey, would you like to go out on a date with me? There, you'd be okay. And I just, and that could lead to someone looking at your dick. Like I don't, yeah. I just don't understand. I don't know why you'd want to jump that process because everything you and I just talked about about you know feeling like somebody's not really attracted. Like I would never want to. I would never want to have sex with somebody because just because they felt like they could get something from me, like a, a job or money or, you know, a, a break or something like that. I mean, even if that worked out for him, even if there were other women who were in their minds thinking, yeah, I'll watch him jack off because he's a successful comedian. Maybe I can be his opening act or something. I wouldn't want that as a guy, you know, because I would just feel like I would feel unattractive. So I don't understand not wanting to do the, hey, would you be interested in hanging out? You know, can we can we go social? And you know, well, I mean, and we, maybe times, we get to that point. I mean, 
I worked at the Rhino for a couple of years before I met Mrs. Mears. Right. So, uh, I had a pretty uh, interesting dating life at a young age. Yeah. Uh, working at a strip club. Yeah. Um, and you can differentiate, I think, situations where a girl is slower than others and, you know, have a conversation, go out to dinner, watch a movie, you know, yep. and work your way that way. There are situations where you can jump right to the uh, end game, but I, I think that's more or less kind of, I mean, really it has to kind of be led by the woman. I mean, I've had some pretty quick experiences of, uh, of meeting somebody and then being in bed with them. And I, no, I, I got to say, I most of the time Me it's too. led by the female sure. because of all the, you know, it, it just, you know, uh, it's no mystery what men are interested in but women are a little bit more of a complicated uh (laughs) situation so they're almost like if they're going to be a speedy one night stand it almost is more on the woman's uh pace and she can set it so i mean if he's in a situation where girls like hey so can i come up to your room you're like oh all right well then my next question is going to be like you want to come to hang out are we going to fuck like you know like let's just Mm -hmm. you know i I don't want to misread this because what you came on very strong are we going in that direction oh yeah no i'm I don't want to come and talk to you. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, all right, cool. I, I, I can wrap my brain but, around But this. see, I even think at that point, because there's been some flirtation or communication, it's not like you're just walking up to somebody cold. No. And, never you know, in the lobby of a hotel and going, no. hey, because. Well, I, and also, too, like, I think making the first move on a girl, there's only, you know, and I think I'm reading what he's saying. He's right. I think it's, I guess I've never been in a position where I felt like I had power over people. Mm-hmm. To have that kind of confidence, because I mean, look, I mean, I've been the heavyweight champ of the world. Uh, I've never been told that I'm hard to look at by the opposite sex. You know, I've had my fair, decent amount of attention. Um, But that being said, I still, even if I'm going to walk up and, you know, if Mrs. Mir tomorrow would kick me out of the house and I had to start fucking dating again, I'm not going to walk up to a girl in a bar unless you have to first look over at me, give me some kind of nonverbal cue a giggle, a lip bite, a hair pull, something where it's like, oh, okay, well, that's the first. A you, lip bite. Uh, something, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, you know, girls you know, have a little sexy looks. Or a hair pull. What yeah, is when it? girls play with their hair. Oh, what is it? okay. I, I was thinking, that, so you're talking like a twirl. Yeah, something. You know what I was mean? thinking like, more like a pull. No, not that quite barbaric. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like some kind of okay. nonverbal communication, yes, whether yes. it's staring, no, I get you. You know, making yeah. eye contact for an extended period of time. Or I'm like, all right, well, you yeah. keep staring over my direction. I will now take the next step and start talking and break the ice and, you know, and make the first official move. But you still need a woman. I mean, I've never just walked up to a girl and have her like, oh, hey, are you talking to me? Oh, yeah, I think you're hot. Let's talk. Like, yeah. without any kind of, of, uh, of buildup, you know, without yeah. any kind of signal that like, oh, hey, you want to be with me. Yeah. And so I think the way he's able to have, I mean, because I mean, uh, far stretch, but I think I'm better looking than Louis C.K. Yeah. Um, but for him to be that openly able to shift gears like, hey, so, uh, hey, you want to look at my dick? The only way he felt probably comfortable was because, I mean, I doubt he did that when he was 19, 20, 21 years old. You know what I mean? Like, he did that once he developed a power. And I think he acknowledges that in his apology that I knew I had a certain prestige that gave him the confidence to go ahead and open the door and just be like, hey, so do you want to look at my dick? Because girls keep saying, you know what I mean? Because then he probably gained confidence that he did it once and, and... for whatever reason, enjoys masturbating. I, I want to actually talk to him one time about that. Be like, yo, so like, did your mother bathe you or something until you were like 15? Like, Let me tell what's you. the issue with masturbating in front of yeah. a woman? Like, what's the point? 
He's a big, uh, I mean, side note, but if you're wondering if you might ever have a conversation with him, he is a huge uh, MMA and boxing fan. Oh, okay. To the point that when he works comedy clubs, he will pay, like on a Saturday night, he will pay for the club to buy the pay-per-view. I mean, he's not working clubs anymore now, but in the past, he would buy uh, the pay-per-view so he could watch it in the dressing room. Like, he doesn't miss anything. Oh, No wow. fights. Uh, anyway, side note. Yeah. But but I... Maybe I could ask him then. Like, hey, yeah. buddy. I mean, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, that's coming from me. I, I think we've had this conversation. I'm pretty vanilla when it comes to sex. Yeah. But at the same time, like when people sit there and they, you know, like I remember my wife fucking dragged me. Were you with us then? Did you have to go to the fucking uh, Fifty Shades of Grey? Uh, I I had to go to that separately with of you. I I saw it on my own. <laughs> I, uh, so yeah. uh, you know, I went and saw it. I think I even yeah. posted it on my social media and stuff. Yeah. It was Valentine's Day coming out, and I'm like, "Fuck, man!" Yeah. I'm gonna probably get dragged to this movie anyways. I might as well yeah. get credit and go and take her on Valentine's. Right, so we right. went on Valentine's. That's and, when we went to. Okay, yeah, yes, so, and I'm, all, yeah. I'm watching this film, and I'm like, "Yeah, this is what women want." Like, or this is like this is sexual. Like, I'm like. I just want to stick my dick inside you like that mm. in itself feels good and mm. do it long enough. I'm like, I'm like the whole beating the shit out of each other. I'm like watching them all. I'm a boring sexual person. I think sex itself is fun and, yeah. and you don't really have to add a lot to it. It's kind of like, you know, it's like a good pizza. It's like, I don't know. I don't need to fucking add <laughs> yeah. pineapple, dude. It's, you know, nothing crazy. You know? I mean, like, food's good. You know, I like a little pineapple on my pizza, but that being said, <laughs> I, what, what, what is the disconnect for me with this other than, I mean, nothing, here's the thing for me, nothing should ever be unwanted. That that's a bottom line. I mean, as long as consensual activity between adults, to me, whatever that is, is fine. If yeah. it's consensual and you're an adult, those are the operative terms. That's it, man. But I think there must be something with him that he's drawn to this idea. Like he's he's drawn to that scenario in particular and not only the masturbating in front of people but the the cold call, if you will. The and he hasn't springing. broken any laws though, right? Well, it would be illegal. Okay, so here's the thing. It, it's civilly, in a civil court, you could be, uh, there could be a judgment against you for sexually harassing somebody. So you could be sued for that. Like if you, I'm talking about like walking up to somebody, hey, how about a jack off in front of you? You know, like that's, that you could be sued for. Now, in terms of actually breaking the law, if you're going to expose yourself to someone, perhaps. Now, the fact that you're in your hotel room, these people came in, maybe there's mitigating circumstances. I don't think in reality there's yeah, I mean, anything again, that like, he's again, ever like, actually, you know. I, I, I wish we could have more openly come this conversation yeah. about that because I feel like I know that somebody at home is listening is, is fucking blowing a fuse because uh-huh. it's like, well, you should never blame the victim. I'm like, really? I don't know. Like, I, if my daughter or my wife went to a hotel room with another man, I'm pissed off at whatever he did, but I'm pissed off at them too. You know what? Like, why the fuck would you okay. put yourself in that situation? Here's here's where I would draw a line on that. I think yes, in terms of common sense, you're smart to want to arm your your daughter or your wife that way with that type of thinking. I think also it's smart to think that way from a guy's standpoint, you know, that listen, if I'm if there's any other reason that I'm inviting a girl to my hotel, I should probably make that clear. Hey, don't read anything into this. I just, for whatever reason, there might be a reason for us to, to meet there. However, that's, those are things that are customary or maybe 
com- good common sense. I just but- had this happen. I, when I was in Russia one of the last couple months ago, yeah. one of the people for the organization wanted me to do an interview. It's like, okay, I found out that the interviewer was a female. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, then she was coming with a male cameraman. I'm like, all right, well, that'd be fine. We can go down to the restaurant. She got there before him. Do you know what I did? I stayed in my fucking room. I was like, okay, I'll be down a little bit. Let me know when the camera guy gets here mm. and I'll come down. Not fucking going down there to a restaurant with a female. Look at you and your Billy Graham rule. Who knew you and Mike Pence had so much well, in common? It's just it's common sense. It'd be like, I'm going to go down there. I don't care what she looks like. If someone walks by and sees me having dinner or eating at, sitting at a fucking table with a woman, mm. I'm fucked. There's no explanation for that. You know what I mean? And then her word versus mine. Who knows? Next but at thing least, you know, Robert Mueller is investigating you. Oh, fuck, man. So it's easier just to like, <laughs> hey, so, you know, like to me, it's like a little forethought into the situation. Now, if I can do that as a guy yeah. going, okay, you know, I do it all the time. If I'm somewhere and I need to catch a female's attention. I don't walk up to them. If I'm like in a parking lot and I see you drop something and you're a woman, I'm not going to grab it and run up to you. I'm like, hey, miss. Whoa. Oh, hey, look on the ground. Like, right. you know, I'm very conscientious of the fact that I'm a man yeah. and that they're a female. And I know that, you know, just forethought. So if I can do that as the male, why can't women, you know, also too well, be doing that? They can. So, so I think all of that is good common sense advice. However, I don't want to see that rise to a level of responsibility. No, and I get it. You know, I'm not saying it's their fault. Yeah. But I mean, I would like to be able to have the conversation without people being pissed about it. Yeah. It's kind of like having a race conversation. Mm-hmm. You can't have, if two Caucasian males right now, if you and I start having a racial conversation, economics and, and, and race got brought mm-hmm. into it, we are really treading the line to where it's scary for a, a, anybody in a position of public figure, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's like, well, if you have a racial conversation, it could be miscued as racist conversation. So it's better just to avoid it altogether. I'm like, really? Avoiding to talk about things to kind of, you know, like, hey, where are you coming from? Where am I coming from? How can we better understand each other? Like, that's a bad conversation. Well, you know, it might be considered racist. I'm like, just because it's racial doesn't mean it's racist. Well, th- th- I agree. There is a strong distinction for me between racial and racist. Right. So I think, again, yeah. th- in this situation, talking about victims, I think there should be a, 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 a common sense conversation. You know, like, well, that was stupid. Why'd you show up there without it being like, well, it's still not your fault. Mm-hmm. I'm not blaming, you know, I'm not putting blame on you. You should be able to walk as a woman, walk into a man's room and not expect to get fucked. I get it, but it's like, okay, that's nice, but reality and, and you know, it's kind of like, it's like, well, this should, I, I guess because I'm a fighter, I see that all mm-hmm. the time. Guys go, hey man, this technique should work. I'm like, I hear you, buddy. But in here's, reality, it doesn't work out that well. Okay, so here's here's maybe where I would, I would give a little bit toward what you're saying as well. If you are in that situation, uh, you're, you're in that room, maybe there's been some mixed signals or something like that, and something is, you know, more indirectly referred to. Maybe there's some verbal flirtation or something like that. Then, okay, maybe at that point I can kind of see how signals might have been misread, and that's you need to make it clear that that's not actually what you're there for. However, I don't think even in that situation, like even if I, you know, let me let me harken yeah, back. I mean, look, let a me, hotel room. I mean, I mean, yeah. Unless you're in a big ass suite, the average hotel room only has one chair in it. Mm-hmm. Right? How many hotels have you ever gone to that's not a big fucking suite? Right. Have right. more than one chair at the desk. Right. Yeah. So if I invite a female into my room, somebody's fucking sitting on the bed. How am I supposed to have a straight conversation with somebody of the opposite sex when we're 
one of us is even on the fucking bed. Like the incantations of it being sexual yeah. are so overwhelming for anybody with a straight face to tell me, I invited a woman up to my room. I did not expect to have sex with her. Or a man invited me to a room. I didn't think there was any sexual incantations behind it. I'm like, really? You really thought? Like, that never once crossed your fucking mind that there would be sex involved in this? All right. Now, keep in mind, though, in this particular case, there's two women together. And, I mean, maybe if you're real ambitious, you're trying to string that scene together. (laughs) But I do think it's fair to say that if it's more than one person you might not be quite as suspicious i agree with that i'll go with that you know so safety in numbers yeah but if you go by yourself up to a room i mean i just don't know how i i mean i'm just sitting there sitting there going could i explain this to mrs mir could i sit there and go well the girl called me up for an interview but she uh uh, she would just want to know if we didn't want to go to the lobby there's too many people there so i went to a room yeah what oh yeah i was just doing it she said to come do the interview i went to a room do you really think I could have that phone call with my wife and not have my house fucking burned down? Right. <laughs> like, there's no. just no way. You went to a journalist, a female journalist's room yeah. to do an interview by yourself. Yep. Yeah. No. You didn't think she was going to come on to you. No, babe. I thought she was just fucking being a journalist. Like, shut the fuck up. Well, I, I the thing is, I want there to exist, and this is why I want to be careful about as, as much as I think good is coming of especially in because you know we're, we're focused on the louis ck thing because this happened today yeah. but and you look at these examples oh, like harvey weinstein, harvey weinstein yeah, where scumbag. i mean yeah you're you're talking about really aggressive uh, uh, you know assault allegations yeah no his and, stuff is and, you know he's all, real rapey yeah and also just leveraging just the yeah. whole hey do you want to work in this town again kind of stuff oh i mean that to me is rape i mean whether yeah. i physically assault yeah. you you know what I mean? If I use my size or my yeah. physical strength and brawn to fuck you, that's rape, right? Yeah, Obviously, right, right, right. you know. But if I also use fear tactics, I mean, whether I sit there and threaten you financially, your yeah. career, or I, I, I put a gun on the table and say, if you don't fuck me, I'm going to shoot you. Yeah. Okay. Well, she didn't resist. Well, what the mean the fuck she didn't resist? Yeah. Of course she didn't resist. You said you were going to kill her. You know what I mean? Like, there's still, to me, that all falls under the same umbrella of rape. I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if so, that's no longer consensual. Yeah. You know and I mean? while I think that, you know, it's good, so so there's definitely very positive things that are coming with all of this enlightenment and people feeling empowered to talk about this that is happening. But I do also, at the, at the same moment, want to be careful that we don't go so far as to say, I don't, I don't want to... You know, I don't want to fall into the category of, I also don't want to blame, I mean, I get everything you're saying, but if you weren't you and if it was a different guy, I do want a guy to be able to say, if anybody were to ever say, oh my God, what what do you mean you let that woman into your room? You honestly thought sex wasn't going to take place? I do think there is also a place for a guy to say, yeah, seriously, like they just, sure, yeah, yeah. I guess I just, my, my mind's too... Yeah. If my buddy said, my wife's mad at me, and he goes, what happened? Well, you know, an old friend of high school met me on Facebook, and she came over, and, you know, the bar was full, so she came up, and we just hung out in my room, and just, you know, we just talked. Well, like, it, it, it all, well. First of all, I, you're about the only guy in the world. I've been on this earth for 38 years, and, and, and I don't mean this to insult any of my other friends or anything else that's married, but there, you're probably the only male in my life that if you told me, if I walked into your room and we're out of town together and you're another, and I knock on your door and 
two porn stars walk out of your room and you tell me that you honestly were interviewing them and nothing happened, I would believe you. Like, but you're it. You're the only person I know that honestly, I'd be like, oh yeah, that's that's Richard. Yeah, you, that motherfucker. You just, you just be starstruck. You'd be like, holy shit, Ron Jeremy. Yeah. <laughs> I like how you twisted that. That was good, man. <laughs> that is a porn star I've had in my hotel room yeah, true. before. So, you know. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you didn't bang him. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I, I just... I mean, I think that that, and you know, every individual is there. And I definitely think in this day and age, you, you would want to be cautious of that kind of thing for sure. But I, going back to the Louis C.K. Yeah, because, thing, you know, rape wise, and I know this from a friend of mine that had an issue in that area. Uh, you don't ever want to be in the room with a woman by yourself. Yeah, right. Like that's just me now. I mean, uh, because if the police show up and say, "Well, she said you raped her," yeah, and I say no, all they have to do is like, "Well." Were you with her by yourself? Yes. Mm-hmm. Done. I'm going to jail. Yeah. I mean, it may eventually get sorted out, but yeah, it's but gonna, now I'm, yeah, I'm fucking it, for the rest yeah. of my life. I'm known as a rapist. Yeah. So that's why, like, I guess maybe, and that's just how I think any male who's not hyper vigilant of mm-hmm. that situation mm-hmm. nowadays, you're just setting yourself up for disaster. I mean, that's the thing I'm going to bestow upon my children. Mm-hmm. Not only am I telling my daughter how to be safe and not make dumb decisions to put herself in a situation where a criminal could take advantage of her, I also, too, tell my boys how not to ever be misconstrued as a, a criminal. Be like, hey, you know, don't do this. The girl who's passed out drunk, we're not going to bang that girl. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you're not, I mean, in the past, I mean, you know, if a girl's sloppy drunk, you know, it's like, well, you know, you know, get her number and maybe next time, you know, like, yeah. fuck, you know, like you can't, you know, like, we just have, there's going to be a whole checklist of things that, you know, that you have to be as a male, just as much as we talk about, you know, I, I think there's responsibility, you know, not responsibility, but, you know, a common sense factor for women it's, yeah. goes with men. No, I, I, I agree with all that. And, and just one other point I wanted to make about the Louis C.K. thing, and this, I think, again, speaks to, there's some like really dysfunctional motivation to him wanting to do that in in my mind in the sense that if you're you don't have to be Louis CK famous to get groupies. Let me tell you something. If you are the opening comedian on a Monday night bill somewhere, I'm not saying every cocktail waitress is going to want you, but I mean there's somebody you know, I mean, there and, and it's same with bands. I mean, just the fact that you have a guitar on, there is someone in most of those clubs somewhere that's just going. They're 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 drawn to that that swagger and that style and that culture and everything. Same with fighters. I mean, you know, you can fight on a at a Indian reservation in the first preliminary, and you know that's attractive to some women. So yeah. what I'm trying to say is, if he just even if he's the biggest dork in the world or, you know, until he, he realized he was, he was a a funny comedian, didn't have a lot of luck with women. I don't know. But if you just are looking to pick up groupies, they're there on some level. So even at that, there is, you could get a more organic scenario going so that by the time, again, anybody saw any penises, it was all very obvious that everybody was interested in this. You know what I mean? So just the fact that it's immediately jumped to, I think it's, I think there's some power thing there. I think that's, you're actually drawn to, okay, I'm, I'm powerful, you know? Cause when you, I mean, even if you're 
I, I mean, guys like to feel like men, but you know, it's not, I think it's, it doesn't, it's, it's a, it's an, ex, we're enjoying the feeling of it. There's a lot of other things involved in sex. Like you were just saying, other than power, you know, you're like, Oh, this feels good. This is pleasurable. This is, makes you feel warm. And yeah, maybe you're, you're also feeling manly, but you're not feeling like you don't have to always feel like a creeper. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, it's like when people would say that about, you know, rapists sometimes and they're like, oh, but that guy could get anybody he wanted. That's but totally beside the point. Yeah. Doesn't matter what you look like. Doesn't matter. You know, it just you want that like control. And while maybe this wasn't like rape, maybe there was still some element of. I'm drawn to feeling like I'm in control. Uh, Two things I want to, before we we move on to the next one is one, I think as long as we never take the females or the victims, uh, uh, lack of common sense into consideration for sentencing and for the responsibility of the crime, then I don't think that's victim blaming. Meaning that I can't sit there and go, well, officer, she showed up to my room I thought she wanted to fuck, so I raped her. It's mm-hmm. like, well, no, that doesn't count. No. You still raped her. It doesn't matter what you thought, how you read yeah. it. Then, you know, anytime if I were to enter that into evidence, well, she's some co-core that was a hooker that, you know, you know, it's like, no, that that's irrelevant. So, I mean, I think that's when we draw the line about victim blaming. But I don't think it's wrong to have a conversation about common sense to teach women. It's like... You know, not all men are scumbags, but dare I say, most probably are a little bit on the sexual deviant side. Yeah. You know, uh, and, you know, to put yourself in healthy situations. And at least now, too, I mean, the platform, we talk about how things are going to change. All this shit that we're hearing about is 30 fucking years old in some cases. Mm-hmm. It's sad that things have taken so long. I mean, the Kevin Spacey stuff happened, you know, what? fucking 30 years ago you know some of it some one of them was just last year though right right no but yes it does my point is is that so many things in hollywood have been hard for people to come forward for to say they're a victim of situations so i mean the the, hopefully the the silver lining to this dark cloud is in the future as things occur people don't have to sit on it for 20 30 fucking years before seeking any type of uh uh, justice because then you know that means that well well for example, like the Bill Cosby case. What if the first girl that he fucking, you know, quaalude and fucking raped came forward? How many other girls would not have been raped? I 100% agree. And it's you, you're absolutely right. And uh, that is uh, that kind of segues into our other story here, uh, which is dominating the headlines today. And that involves the Alabama senatorial candidate Roy Moore. Now, did you know about this guy before he won this Republican primary? He's famous for this goes back a number of years, but he was a, an Alabama judge and he put up the Ten Commandments in his courtroom and refused to take them down and was basically removed from the bench twice uh, because he would not take them down. Now, the, the problem with having the Ten Commandments up in your courtroom is only two of those things are laws. Don't steal, don't murder. The rest of them are just these moral values, right? Which has nothing to do with law and order. So um, he is, and he's, I mean, he's a whack job. I mean, before any of this stuff happened today, he is, uh, he doesn't think that, uh, and this doesn't have anything to do with these accusations, but just to paint the picture for you if you don't know about this guy. He's a 6,000-year-old Earth guy. Oh, is he ever. He is a guy who um, uh, basically believes that because, you know, he's one of these because we're, uh, you know, we've, we've, 
turned into a godless society that we're being punished with things like 9-11 and, you know, that sort of thing. He doesn't think that a Muslim should be allowed to serve in Congress like Keith Ellison, like he thinks there should be a religious test. That person should not be allowed to serve. They should be removed from Congress. Um, so he's, he's a wacko. Um, but uh, we had not heard this about him until uh, the last couple of days. The Washington Post um, talked to uh, several women who have accused him, and well, in one of their cases, of pedophilia. A woman who says she was sexually assaulted by him when she was 14 and he was 32. Um, it, Look, I'm real quick. I'm yeah. going to tell you that every time in my life, whenever I see an older guy do that to a very young girl, the first thought that always crosses my mind is that you are sexually inept and you most likely have a very little dick. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, why else would you want to fuck a 14 year old? What is she going to do for you besides lay there and cry? Do you know what I mean? Like, that's just, I mean, even yeah. if you could get erect, I mean, I don't know. Just, to me, like, that just makes my stomach kind of lurch. And to think of the kind of guy that would have to do that, I'm like, are you that insecure? Like, what's wrong with you? Why, well, don't, you, why don't you get with a woman that knows what she's doing and it yeah, feels, you know but, what I mean? Like, but there's no logic to this. I mean, that if, if you're talking about that, and and, and by the way, he, he denies these, these allegations. That is, uh, of these several allegations that have been made, that one is the one that involves uh, pedophilia, involves underage sex. Yeah, the, but the problem is, is that he is admitting to dating 17 and 18 year olds while he's still in his thirties. In his thirties. He's saying he doesn't remember on those. And that's a <laughs> I little, like that one. yeah, that's a little, I tried to pull that with Mrs. Mir. Did you take out the trash? Did you ask me? I don't fucking remember. Yeah. It never seems to work. Yeah. That one's a little concerning. <laughs> um, but of course the, the 14 year old is the one that everybody's focusing on because that would be yeah. the, the crime here. Now this, this allegedly happened in, uh, uh, I think it was 1979. Um, the, the girl says that what Moore did when he was an assistant prosecutor in Alabama, she was sitting on a court on a, a bench, uh, outside. She went on the record, by the way, her name is Lee Korfman. Uh, she was sitting on a bench outside a courtroom with her mother. Her mother was having to go in to deal with a, a child custody issue. Moore sees him, tells his mother that he will watch the girl while she's in there because you don't want to expose the young girl to those types of sensitive courtroom proceedings. The mother says, okay. Allegedly, while he's sitting there, he gets the girl's phone number, then starts calling her to court her, to date her, gets her out of her house, and allegedly takes her to his house where he uh, where he sexually assaults her. Didn't he give her alcohol? and. So uh, another one of the girls... I was confusing the stories. Yeah, another one of the girls uh, uh, says that when she was 17 that they went out on a uh, date and that uh, this was in, um, uh, in the late uh, 70s, that they went out on a date and he provided her with alcohol and at that time the legal drinking age would have been 19. So while she's not saying they had a sexual encounter he would have provided her with alcohol underage obviously the the big scary allegation here is is uh the 14 year old now Moore went on sean hannity's radio show and he 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 flat out denied even knowing the 14 year old he said i don't know miss korfman from anybody the allegations of sexual misconduct with her are completely false 
He did recall knowing the other two accusers uh, and said, if we did go out on dates, then we did, but I don't remember that. Um, Hannity asked him again if he had unequivocally uh, say that he never dated anybody in their teens when he was in his 30s, and he said, uh, that's out of my customary behavior. Hannity then said he would not want his 17- or 18-year-old daughter dating a 32-year-old, and Moore responded, I wouldn't either. Now, this is... um, this has already prompted several prominent Republicans to call for more to drop out of the race. Uh, John McCain has called for him to drop out of the race, uh, in addition to several Republican representatives. Uh, also, Mitt Romney said uh, this today, quote, innocent until proven guilty is for criminal convictions, but not for elections. I believe Lee Korfman, her account is too serious to ignore. Moore is unfit for office and should step aside. Now, I actually, as 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 politically opposed to this guy's, I mean, he is an absolute whack job. But but let's set all that aside and just talk about the the accusations here. I really am a big believer in two things: um, certainly innocent till proven guilty, and also in terms of the seventeen, eighteen year olds, and you're in your thirties. Yeah, creepy. But if your age of consent is sixteen. And you were north of that age of consent. I'll maybe make some some personal judgments about it, but I I don't think we need to treat you like a criminal if you didn't do anything criminal in those situations. Now, whether or not he should drop out of the race, I mean, I don't think th- this to me these allegate this doesn't. I'm not ready to say he's a pedophile. You know, I'm not ready to say, well, I've seen enough. Okay, done. You know, he assaulted a 14-year-old. I will say this, though. Um, and, you know, I'm going to sound like uh, Donald Trump here for a second. But certainly, if allegations are true, he should drop out of the race. That's what Trump said earlier today. But how about this? This is not going to go away. I mean, this is going to stay with him, even if he gets elected to the Senate. I personally believe that if something this egregious happens to someone like this, I, you know what I would do if it were me? I would sue that person. I would civilly sue that person. And I would say that is, not only is that not true, you are besmirching my good name, and I will, you know, not, I'm not trying to victim blame or anything because you're not a victim. I'm telling you that didn't happen. I don't know what your motivations are, but I'm going to sue you and we're going to get in court and we're going to get all this on the record. We're going to get you under oath and we're going to get me under oath and I'm going to tell my truth and, you know, we're going to sort it out that way and I'm going to ask for punitive damages because, you know, I think about things like, um, to me, that is the only way to really prove when some horribly salacious allegation is made about you. Now, I also understand that not everybody's going to have the means to do that, to suit, but he certainly would. Yeah. Um, uh, I would do that. That's what I would do. I agree. And I think even a step further, I wish in our judicial system we had it to where it was much more commonplace that if someone makes false accusations on someone, because we all know, come on, common sense, someone calls you a rapist and it hits mm-hmm. the news, you're going to carry that stigma over your shoulders. Right. Um, if you're able to go back and not only prove your innocence, but prove that the other person willfully came out and was trying to 
falsely accuse you of of a crime that they very knowingly know you didn't commit, I think that it should carry the same weight back the other way. If I can go back and prove that, for example, like the kid Banks from Southern California that spent six years in prison, Mm -hmm. I think that the girl that accused him of rape that now came back and acknowledged that she made it up, her family put her up to it, I think her and every family member involved all should do six years in prison. Yeah. I mean, it's the only thing. I mean, to me, it's like, well, yeah, that makes sense because you you committed a crime. Yeah, I I heard a uh, you know uh, Moore had his defenders today, and uh, I I heard uh, one Alabama representative say that uh, he felt like the uh, anybody who is involved in uh, if if they know of someone that committed a crime like this, for example, this type of crime, going back forty years. And didn't say anything. He thinks that they should be held accountable. Now, I don't believe that should be the case in terms of victims. You know, I mean, I don't think you can go to a 14-year-old and go, no. hey, why didn't you say something? Uh, and he, I did actually. But I think parents, if they're aware of something, I, I don't know. I, I mean, agree with, uh, no, that part I agree yeah, with. That part, I, mean? that part I, I see. If someone's daughter goes to them and says, hey, yeah. dad, this happened to me, and the father just you know, well, I that's agree with that part. under the carpet yeah. or something. Yeah, I think they're liable for. I yeah, mean, not. I don't know what we do to them, but yeah, yeah they they need something to go their way. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I, I by the way, I did hear that uh, that representative on uh, he was on an interview with Anderson Cooper a little while ago, and I guess to me he kind of clarified the remarks, uh, saying that he didn't really mean it in terms of uh, victims. Now here's a guy though, if you want somebody in this whole deal. That we could probably well, like in the Andy Sandusky case. Yeah, any Jerry, of, Jerry. Yeah. Sorry, who's Andy Sandusky? Fuck, I don't know. Yeah, but Jerry Sandusky. Any of the people that told me that they were aware of that what he was doing, I all agree. should be in prison no, too. I agree. If you know that there's a child rapist, yeah. and you turn the other eye, you're just as culpable. I, com- Joe Joe Paterno should have been. They couldn't tar and feather him enough, in my opinion. I mean, he got off easy. You know, people. Sometimes I'll feel sorry for. Him. He got off easy. No, if he knew, what and was he going did. On, he yeah. yeah. I mean that was proven. And to me, like it's like, well, fuck him. You know what I mean? Like, yep. Come on, man. There's little kids fucking being raped, and you turn 100%. the other eye. Percent. Like I mean, there's not a lot of things people can yeah. probably agree on universally, but I'm kind of thinking that raping children is probably one that across right. the board that Muslims, atheists, Jews, everybody we can all can yeah. agree that this is a fucking horrible thing. And if it's underage, it's rape because it's below the age of consent. That's what you got to understand. A 14-year-old cannot consent to something. Now, that well, brings friends me- are 14. That's what, when I first read that, I looked at it, I was like, I have a 14-year-old daughter. Yeah. I'm like, if a 32-year-old man coerced my daughter into sex, you better put him in prison. Yeah. Because like, the minute he gets out, I'm fucking going to have my cell waiting for me, man, because uh, an hour after he's out, I'm going in. <laughs> well, I'll tell you who doesn't agree with you is Alabama State Auditor Jim Ziegler. Now, Jim Ziegler is a fellow member of the Alabama Republican Party. He told the Washington Examiner that biblical stories offer a justification for the acts that Moore is accused of committing. He said, for example, take Joseph and Mary. Mary was a teenager, and Joseph was an adult carpenter, and they became parents of Jesus. Okay, now, first of all, 
we have to all abide by the laws of our land, right? Yeah. I can't sit there and go, well, you know, marijuana, I don't agree with the laws that you have against it. If, you know, now laws are changing, but I can't sit there and throw my own moral justification that, well, I don't agree with the laws that you have because you guys will stick me in jail just as fast as anything else, right? Mm. So I'm sitting there going, I mean, because even customary, I mean, shit, man, 500 years ago, the minute a girl had her period, they were getting fucking married. Yeah. And it wasn't considered creepy then because people died when they were in their fucking 25. It was like, oh, you've hit the end of the fucking road, you know? But that's not the society we live in nowadays. Can you, so, like, to sit there and start justifying other... It's like, wait a minute. And God also told people to kill people, right? Yeah, like, th- there's slavery in the Bible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And there's it, beating your fucking slave yeah. in the fucking Bible. Right. Wouldn't you, if you were Roy Moore, wouldn't you just look at that guy and go, hey, how about you don't try to help me out? <laughs> I mean, this is a guy... See, Multiple some, wives in the Bible. Yeah. See, somebody's quote like that, like, of all of this, you know... Maybe this I, isn't such a bad thing. Maybe we should listen to him. No. Yeah, well... <laughs> I'm 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 for innocent until proven guilty. But like some guy like this, like this Jim Ziegler, this is a guy who I'm I'm looking at going, okay, you know what? We could probably just go ahead and drop kick this guy right out of whatever office he's currently occupying. Like if you're gonna go on record with something that stupid, then uh, be gone with you. I like this quote though. Because that's the, the thing uh, too. Like it isn't like these people are celebrities where it's like. You know, some guy just gets fucking stupid one night, you know, fucking one of the Kardashians with their phone or, you know, even they have public, you know, PR people. But this guy in office, like before he says something, there's people he runs this by, right? Like, you know, the the secretary, you know, he ha- they have people that work for them, you know, that could sit there and go. Yeah. So, I mean, there's layers between yeah. you and opening your fucking mouth between this thought that occurred between his ears. And somehow everybody gave this the green light, huh? I like this quote. Uh, it was in the uh, the the Washington Post article from a uh, a uh, campaign manager of a uh, uh, Republican that's in a top 2018 race. He said, "Told the paper, quote, I'm prepping my candidate for what he is going to say if he's asked about this." He said, "At the very least, it is something that everyone is going to have to answer." Do you think Roy Moore at the age of 32 with a 14-year-old is like Mary and Joseph? Yeah. I mean, but that whole argument, I mean, I guess you could. I mean, you sit there. You can even argue that scientifically. Well, you know, girls, you know, start their period Uh at 12 years of age. Reproductively, they can have a baby. So then that means that, you know, biologically, they should be sexually active, which would mean relationship and marriage. No one's going to buy that shit. Yeah. It's not the laws we set up. It's like, well, yes. We get it, but we realize now because we've become more civilized yeah. that uh, a person's decision-making skills at 12, 13 years of age are not going to be as good at 18 or you know, and, and on. So let's at least let the person, you know, that's why at age of consent, it's like, all right, at 16 years of age, you know, you can probably understand who you want to have sex with and have a better understanding. Mm-hmm. You know, some states give that leeway. Alabama. Well, Nevada. this is... What is, isn't Nevada's age of consent 16? Yeah. Well, it was when I was a kid. Oh, okay. <laughs> but that was when I was 17 and 18 years old. <laughs> That'd be funny if you looked it up and it was actually legislation that was called like Frank's, Frank Mears Law or something <laughs> where they raised it. Well, you know, I do think though, going back to, you know, I think it's, if you're really going to get out from under this, you've got to uh, hold you know, if, if you really are being falsely accused, you got to hold those people legally accountable because remember Trump and the, you know, the 16 women that accused him of sexual harassment. And he says, 
all the accusers will be sued. They will be sued at the appropriate time. Okay, well, you know what? Let's see it. Because I'm wondering if at this point that's not just one of the things that he's promised that maybe isn't going to happen. You know, and that sucks to have to do. Yeah, I get it. You know, and if in fact... uh, all those people fabricated that about you, then you've been dealt a raw deal and everything. But I do think it's important to to fight that because that's what people are going to need to see. I, I don't know how you wouldn't want to. Yeah. If someone came up and falsely accused me of rape, mm-hmm. fuck yeah, I'm going to try to sue the fuck. I'm going to do everything in my life to make them as miserable as their false accusations yeah. going to make me. Yeah, I mean, it's that's a fucking nightmare for someone to go through. And if someone's fucking full of shit, do everything I can. And if I have no more recourse, I mean, fuck. Mm-hmm. How could you not just be filled with a vendetta? I agree. It's it's one of three things. It's either it's totally made up. You didn't have anything to do with it. It's or it's something happened, but it was consensual. They're saying it's not, or you did it. And two of those three options would absolutely, I think, necessitate. Defending your name. Yeah, unless it's like, now that I'm thinking about it, you're right. I think a guy would not want to defend the situation if it was one of those scenes where it's like, fuck, I banged that girl, mm-hmm. but it was consensual. Yeah. I'm going to say I don't know her because I'm married, and if I tell no. you, know, now, but you know what, in all honesty, if that comes up, fuck being in trouble with your wife, mm-hmm. even getting divorced, like, if you have consensual sex with a girl and she mm-hmm. switches that shit around... Mm-hmm. The worst thing, it's like at that moment, being deceitful at all and trying not to get caught, like, dude, that, 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 that bridge is burned. That train is set, <laughs> is gone. The, that yeah. ship has left the dock. Like, now it's time to be completely honest, 100%, because now it's coming down to a character thing of your word versus her word. And you fucking better be, I mean, I'm going to tell you what I, I cheated on in third grade. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. honesty to the utmost. To where, I mean, even if it's like, can you ask my wife to leave the room? You know, like, I'm about to tell you what positions and how, whatever you want to know, you know, would you ask me? I'm just, you know, I feel uncomfortable you know, here, if she, if your wife's still married to you at that point. <laughs> you know what's weird, too, is it's also like there's just, I mean, there's kind of no reason in this day and age, I don't think, to be sexually repressed in any way unless you're just putting that upon yourself. I mean, in the day and age of Tinder and things like that, I mean, you know, if you you need somebody to jack off in front of, all you got to do is create a profile, you know, we can have half a dozen people over here later on. Hey, was with, Louis C.K. married when this happened? Yes. Part, oh. well, part, I, I'm not, here's, here's his personal backstory. He was married, uh, married, had two daughters, and his career didn't really explode like it did until he went through a divorce a number of years ago. Part of this was happening while he was still married. I don't, maybe not all of it, I'm not sure, but, uh, but part of it was definitely back then so well i mean i guess maybe that was i I, if i ever meet him dude i'm gonna ask like dude so Mm -hmm. why jerking off in front of the girl yeah i i I still don't get it i'm gonna look forward to that meeting because it's gonna be like oh wow frank mirror huge fan of your fights oh yeah i'm glad i ran into you too because i wanted to ask you i'm like so what's what's the novelty behind yeah doing the work for yourself when there's a, a willing partner in front of you man i don't know 
I don't know. One thing I do know, though, is uh, where you can get uh, one of those brand new phone booth fighting T-shirts you're wearing. But I'm going to leave it up to you to explain that to everybody. Where do I get one of those? Oh, you just go on phoneboothfighting.com mm-hmm. and you can click and order there and we'll ship it out to you. And you can also have a very cool Ouija board type design, our Halloween special yeah yeah for sure it's uh it's our embracing of the dark arts as uh i like that that's what you said embracing of the dark arts yeah well you know who i have to credit for that is uh your acb commentating partner brian lacy okay yeah he's the one that pointed that out on the night that we went to uh, he's terrified of the haunted museum yeah he is (laughs) yeah he might be too afraid of that t-shirt to put it on i don't know i don't know should bring him on and see what he does with it yeah yeah for sure Um, also, uh, there's an Amazon banner on the front of phoneboothfighting.com. Frank, what does that do? That's one of the easiest ways to help out the show, uh, by clicking through that banner to do all your Amazon shopping for your wants and needs. Basically a small percentage at no extra cost to you. Amazon sends back to us to use towards our show. I love it. Well, we got to put a wrap on this. I got to do, I got to go do comedy. This is when I really feel like a Las Vegas comedian is when I go to a show that will like, yeah, but it just, that's when you really feel like that's Vegas. You know, cause I used to hear these stories about like Red Fox from Sanford Sun would do like a midnight show in Vegas. Those, there's not a lot of those anymore. There are some though, but it's just like, I like that feeling, you know, I'm leaving the house at 1130 to roll down to the strip to do comedy. What are you going to be doing at midnight? I'll be sleeping. Oh, okay. Getting ready for the kids' game tomorrow. They got the, another playoff for the championship. Oh, okay. Football. Okay. Bella Cage, Ronan's team, they were too young. I, I don't think they did a playoff for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, or if they did, they didn't make the playoffs. But uh, Cage and Bella on their team, they made it. And so tomorrow we'll be out there watching the kids play football. Do they both play on the same team? Yes, they do. Okay, and it's tackle football? It's full-blown tackle. Wow. Are, are there other girls on the team besides Bella? Uh, not, no. The The coach's daughter's on the team, uh, tenure, uh, the, the team younger okay. age group. Uh, she's fierce, too. She hits dudes hard. It's just funny to watch Bella. And I, I love the reaction of all the guys hmm. at the end when they all clap hands and they realize that the, the, the freak that's been running around at inside linebacker, because she's the best athlete on the field. Oh, yeah. One of the fastest, most explosive. She, I mean, she hits people. I mean, she's actually our... Uh, <laughs> I'm probably going to get in trouble here, but when we have a kid... We had a kid, what was it, about three weeks ago, and he was a big kid. You know, almost, you know, over six foot tall, you know, you know, 13 years of age and he's fucking flying down and he's, he's picking out the smallest guy on our team. Mm. You know, normally on a kickoff, you know, there's a certain formation, but he's just looking. And so two or three times, it's just like, this kid just keeps going after the smallest. It's like, he's on the field looking like, Oh, got this little kid. He just Mm. wants to just mash and mangle a little kid. And, you know, it's Mm. like, all right, well, Hey, you know what? That's within the rules, but guess what's also within the rules? So we told Bella, Bella, you see number so-and-so, uh, he can't finish the game. So sure enough, Bella comes out there. I mean, the ball's going one direction. He's just blocking on the backside. She blasted him with a double, picked him up. I mean, both his legs went up into the air, and she drove him into the ground. Wow. Boom! And, I'm like, and then like she got up. I'm like, I don't know how she got away with that because that yeah. was – a little uh, personal foul. Yeah. I mean, play after play just kept just, you know, I'm like, okay, look, one of them's going to hold him up on this side, then you're going to come ear hole him on the side on this. I mean, we just, she's our, our, our killer. We, we our assassin. We'll send her after people. So it's always funny at the end of the games when guys are clapping hands, you know, mm-hmm. everybody lines up in the 50 yard line and you see the boys afterwards freaking
freaking out because you know you see long hair out the back. Yeah. But you know that could be a hairstyle. Yeah, they just think she's one of those Samoans yeah. that always has like the long. Yeah, and then Bella has shoulders the and arms. You know. Right? Yeah. So you gotta tomorrow if you're not busy, you want to come. Once again. One o'clock. Okay. Yeah, maybe I can do that. Yeah. Now, you tell me where it is, and I'll show up. Now, are you? You say we, it, it sounds like you're doing some coaching. Are you involved in the coaching? No, I, I don't. You know what? Oh, okay. Look, when it comes to fighting, I have to be involved more in the coaching. Yeah. And wrestling practices, obviously, now I'm helping out at Meadows. Uh, but I want to be the kids' dad. Like, I always feel like that's a hard thing, you know? Like, because being a coach, sometimes you have to give information that is mm-hmm. not nice. Oh, yeah. You know, and then as a father, sometimes I have to talk to my kids in a way that's not nice, you know? So, like, I, I really just relish or really just want to stay the kids' father as much as possible. There's only one of me, man. I mean, they can have many coaches. They'll have a lot of friends. I'm their only dad. Mm-hmm. So I really want to stay in dad mode to where, you know, so I'll come up and like, you know, the coaches will be screaming, yelling, or, you know, or positive, negative, whatever criticism. You know, I can sit there and go, hey, you know, what are you feeling right now? You know, uh, this. Okay, well, you know what? You know, maybe if you lower your eyes over them next time, you know, you're, you're coming out of your stance a little too quick. You're overextending or you're not getting off the ball fast enough. I'll give tips like that. But, uh, no, I think the only time I ever got involved in the coaching was I saw that that other player just being a complete asshole. Mm-hmm. I, at one point, the whistle hadn't been blown, but the play was obviously dead. Mm-hmm. You had a kid standing there, and he was the guy coming out and just trying to pick people off that are just standing there watching a dead play. It's like, what are you doing, man? Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, well, it seems like, well, it's legal, but then everything I'm going to do to you, too. So I went over to the coach, and you know, he was furious. I'm like, all right, well, hold on, Bella. This is what we're going to do. This, this, and this. And again, you know, the double, I had to tell her was a little, uh, I was like, okay, you can't pick a kid up and shoot a double leg and slam him into the the the, the, uh, the grass like that. Yeah. But the rest of the just, you know, look, every play, I don't care where the ball goes, you go after him. And then after a while, that, you know, it kind of straightened the kid out a little bit. Like, oh, okay, shit, there's retribution. That's a good thing about sports. And that's one of the things why I think that uh, sometimes America, we're a weak country over you can't check people, you know, and that's one thing I think why being in gyms and growing up is such a good positive thing. Mm-hmm. Cause if you have bad behavior, you get singled out pretty quickly mm-hmm. and the rest of the people can straighten your behavior, you know? Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, you're being an asshole and being an asshole usually in a sporting event can be very painful. Yeah. You know, cause then people look at them like, Oh, you're that dick, huh? Well, guess what? We're all going to hunt for you now. Yeah. You know? So then all of a sudden you're like, well, it could be better to be a good guy, be competitive and be known as a fierce competitor, but you don't want to ever be known as an asshole. It's like, well, if you're being an asshole, we're going you know, to, we're going to lay it on you. Yeah. Yeah. You're right about that. So then it, it, behavior corrects itself uh-huh. instead of just sitting there and let's talk about it. I'm like, ah, pain's a great motivator. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, good. Well, uh, good luck to the team tomorrow. I'll make it out there uh, if I can. You gotta tell me, tell me where it is. I'll show up with my cowbell. Do any parents do that? Do no. they? You have any? That's a Sacramento thing, I think. Oh, right? Isn't okay. Well, I'll leave was my that a Texas thing too? What's a cowbell? I don't know. I just remember as a kid, like there would always be those really overzealous parents that would show up with noisemakers and stuff like that. We get overzealous parents. Yeah. The one weekend I was out of town, the game the kids were in, yeah. two parents got arrested for attacking the, okay. the, uh, the other referee. Okay. <laughs> it's football. That is so ridiculous. You know, Jen grew up a little differently than I grew up. Yeah. <laughs> and so whenever I bring her into that type of uh, economy yeah. <laughs> where things are a little bit more where I grew up, yeah. she's just like, how are they acting like this? What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, poor Jen grew up with no brothers. Yeah. No, no you know, nothing yeah. like that. I mean, so. 
<laughs> I'm like, she goes, how are they talking to each other right now? I'm like, babe, this is this is uh, it's a football field. It's kind of you know, if you if you wanted to really play a dirty trick on me, if I show up for the game tomorrow, would I show up by myself? And some of your parents are like, oh, is that your friend? You'd be like. I don't know. I don't know who that is. It's, it's kind of weird, right? Yeah. He's kinda sitting weird. there with a camera just watching yeah. our kids. It's kind of weird. <laughs> you might laugh about that, but I remember when Bella, her first sport was soccer. She was like five years old. I was a new parent, you know, so I, I was a little bit more hyper vigilant than I probably should have been. Yeah. You know, I thought everybody was a fucking pedophile. <laughs> yeah, rapist, yeah. You know? Everybody was out to fucking take my kid, you know? Yeah. So I, I would sit there and I made sure I knew if you were at the field, which kid was yours? Or, okay, uh-huh. you know, who are you? So th- all the time people would come out. I, I probably got thought of being as extra friendly. It's like, oh, so who's your friend over there? You know, oh, no, that's that's Billy Bob, the cousin of so-and-so. Okay, like I just always had to make a mental note of who was sitting here watching. Because, you know, God forbid, I was like, who are you? Like, oh, you know, like no one knows who this guy is. Then like, we got problems. Yeah. Why are you sitting here watching a kid's game? Yeah. Yeah, you always want to be able to have a good explanation for that. <laughs> I did a, you know that American Doll store? You know what that is? No. I don't even know if they have those here. There's there's a store called American Doll. And it's a it's a they they manufacture these sort of high-end custom-made dolls like girls play with, you know, dolls. But you go to the store and they have a cafe and it's genius marketing. What they do is you can select the doll in the store and then they will bring the doll to have lunch with you. They'll put it in a high chair. So your daughter is sitting there, you and your family or whatever. Daughter's having lunch with us. You better have a daughter there. Or you can have well, a boy. That's what I'm getting to. Hold I'm on. I'm okay now. with that too. You know what I mean? Like, hey, that, as long as the kid makes a decision, yeah. he can make whatever decision he wants to make. You know? So that's what, I, that's what I'm getting to because the way it would, would work is that basically the, the marketing behind it is parents are taking the, the kid to the store. They pick out the doll. You sit and you have lunch with the doll. And, of course, by the end of lunch, you're buying the doll. You know what I mean? Because the kid loves the doll. But uh, on my, my Dallas, uh, my radio show back in Dallas, we would do this bit with our producer, who was just a guy named Mike. He actually had a wife and kid himself, but we would wire him up and uh, uh, to record, and we would have him go to the American Doll Girl Cafe. When he walks in the maitre d', he'd just go, uh, table for one, please? <laughs> <laughs> and he'd I'm sit- surprised he didn't make a rule. I- he'd sit there and eat lunch. <laughs> it just made him all nervous as hell. <laughs> That he was in there. No problem, sir. We just want to take a picture of you real quick. Yeah. No, <laughs> we yeah, need to just, forward this to the proper authorities. Just really good salad bar. I'm just here for that. <laughs> yeah. But he would order a doll too, right? Uh, no. I think that was the really weird part is that he would just be there for the food. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like going to Chuck E. Cheese for just the pizza. That is weird. Yeah. Right. Anyway, a lot of fun. That's funny. Okay. I got to go do comedy. Frank's got to go to bed. One of us has to fight Fedor in uh, the early part of next year. So uh, time to time to get the training regimen going. All right. Exciting news we broke tonight on the Phone Booth Fighting Podcast. Glad you were here to be a part of it. And uh, join us for the next one, won't you? Another quick reminder that you can subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Radio, SoundCloud, or wherever podcasts are available. You want to do us a big favor, we would really appreciate you going to our iTunes page, looking up Phone Booth Fighting, and clicking on those five stars. That helps keep us uh, at the top of the rankings. And if you have an extra moment or two, write a favorite favorable line as a review we like to read those on the air and apart from that 
really the most valuable thing you can do is to tell a friend. Tell a friend about the Phone Booth Fighting Podcast. That's how you're going to help us grow this thing organically, one loyal listener at a time. For Frank Muir, I'm Richard Hunter, and we'll see you right back here next time on Phone Booth Fighting.